Welcome one and all to the Master Movie Podcast with friends, where it's just me and it's just me and Alex. Zach is locked in a bunker. Today, Pedro Nomando? Is DC craving more cavil? Is Chris Klein actually Keanu Reeves? How do they use my balls for the competition? Let's talk about it on this very serious and professional <laughs> podcast. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> it's just like rollerballs out of competition. Alex, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was absolutely worth the silence and listening to him type that up. That was great. <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, shows more. More intros. More intros. Um, I'm good, man. I'm doing good. I'm, uh, I can't believe I suggested. Um, no Zach tonight. Uh, no Zach. No, he is. Uh, the work, work is uh, just... Just making him making him do stuff. Constantly. He's finishing oh, a game that will be 250 gigabytes guaranteed. Um, he says what they say. Yeah, he's very much a corporate shill. Anyway, so uh, news. Mm. Not really much going on except that the Emmys are tonight. Yeah, a few people won last night, and and people are winning tonight. Um, I don't know if we we haven't. I, I've not looking up winners right now. I, I think it's something we'll probably end up covering next week just because we may not still have any new news next week. So Right. Um and who knows, maybe something crazy will happen tonight like so I will say uh, is not wearing pants on Zoom. To kind of uh kind of uh transition into it. Uh Pedro Pascal tweeted seven hours ago um, that it seems that the Mandalorian has won an Emmy for outstanding stunt coordination in a drama series, limited series, or movie. There you go. Yeet. Looking more, looking more hopeful for the the rumor mill to be poopy. Silver so poop. he, um, so yeah, it's uh, for me. So the transition. So there are rumors that he quit on the Mandalorian halfway through filming season two because he wanted his helmet off more, and the writers were like, "No." Um, so apparently he stormed off set. But the fact that he's still tweeting positively huh? about the Mandalorian, I don't know. It's it. That's a, a good sign. Radio silence would be the thing you'd usually see in this situation, but like, and and he hasn't really said anything about the future. I don't think of the show. It seems like he's mostly talking about what he's done. Um, and I don't think that's deliberate. I just think I don't know. Maybe there are contracts or or things that are getting discussed that he wants to show his face more and stuff like that. But no one's really quitting. Maybe people are just putting that out there. So that he can scare the higher ups into giving him more money, but I, I don't know. I mean, this is the first I've ever heard of these rumors, but maybe they're coming out now because in season two they just went ahead and then halfway through, as the rumors go, he left, and they just shot that stuff real quick with other people, which is why it's coming out faster than people thought it was going to, and um, maybe that's what happened. But yeah, he's still he's still speaking about it he's still talking about it so it could also be not rumors it may end up being the case that like he never takes the helmet 
went off, he never is on set. He just uses his voice, and that's the way it goes from now on. That's what I was. Just, that's what I was gonna say. Um, I that's a possibility, and to be honest, I'm I'm fine with it because I recently someone brought. I still haven't watched the show yet. I have a reason to watch it, but both a reason to wait to watch it. Um, I won't explain it, but it's true. And, and um, so it's a it's a bootleg from a Bollywood site. <laughs> no, um, uh, there's someone I like to watch on uh, YouTube, watch things and react to them, like just like my reality TV type stuff. I, I like movie reacting stuff. And there's a person who watched all of Mandalorian. So, like, I want to watch it with them. So I want to watch an episode, watch their reaction, do the same thing. But uh, that's a reason for me to watch it. But also, I have to carve out time. And I, I'm going to have some time in the future, and I want to, because I can watch it now. But um, there's another thing that I got pointed to when I was on HBO Max, and that was something called uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. And it was a series of samurai films about samurai finds a baby and they have adventures for like three or four movies and i was like oh, oh so that's the mandalorian so i kind of want to watch both of those now and see if there are any references between them which i'm totally cool with because like the samurai right. was a big thing about star wars in the first place so uh, it's something i'm interested in um yeah that's what i was gonna say like maybe he was like he wanted to do it more and he was like, okay, can we just can we take my helmet off some more? And they were like, no. And he kind of just had a little freak out and was like, okay, I okay, then this is like too much. I should just go back to the booth. You know? Maybe he just went back to the booth. And then when they actually took it, if they actually do take his helmet off for anything, that's when he comes in. That's when he comes in. So I don't I don't know. The rumor mill isn't just that he wanted to see his space for... He did, creative differences led to him leaving. It legit was that he went over their heads. And then they were like, oh, well, if you're going to go over our heads, just don't come back. And we're done working with you. So it was also that he was a problem. As well as then just, you know, seeing differently as to, you know, an actor wanting to show his face more and the people being like, no, your mask is kind of the cool thing about it. If that's legit what their point is. Uh, they just want to pay him less and that's shady too. But, like, for him to, to go do interviews and carry his name and all this stuff and he just, you know, isn't really there but to do booth work, just admit that you were doing booth work in the first place. And, like, maybe you show your face every now and then, but don't, like, clap that Diego Luna is the lead of your Mandalorian show when really he's not. Like, the, here's our Latino actor who's going to be the Pascal. lead. Yeah. Pedro Pascal. Sorry. I'm thinking of Diego <laughs> <laughs> He's getting his own show, too, right? Yeah, Cassian Andor is getting his own show. Thank you. Yeah. So, like, um, that was the thing. It was the same thing with them. They're like, here's the lead. Like, our first show is going to be a Latino lead. And I haven't, a, I haven't watched the show, and I'm pretty sure I still would have made that assumption, even if I had, because it looks like he's barely in it. So um, I would say if it's either one of two things. Either A, he was difficult and went over their heads, and they were like, screw you anyways. Or they have created differences. He's trying to like make contract um, battles over media and press, but they're still working that stuff out. And at the end of the day, he may just be like, I'll do your both work. And like we'll just say what we should have done at the before at the beginning of the day, or there's nothing to all this, and they're just putting that out there for no reason because there's no news. Um, I don't know. I would That's... like it to be somewhere 
middle. I'd like it to be like he wants to show his face more and Disney doesn't. And he's like trying to fight with the press to do it. Um, maybe his agent is pulling crap that he doesn't know about. Um, maybe Disney is pulling crap to make it seem like he's walking away when really he doesn't. He's got to like save face. But either something shady is going on or that's legit what happened or whatever. But no one's come out like really like right. from Disney, right? No, not even Favreau. No one's come out and been like this stuff isn't true. That's my thing. They say the writing team. And I feel like it's more like if he's talking about the writing team, that's that's like. Favreau and Dave Filoni. Those are the two guys pretty much writing this show. So if he had a problem with the writers, he had a problem with them, essentially. Well, really, I don't know. All these something about this just doesn't feel right. I feel like there's like, this is getting, I feel like this is getting blown out of proportion. And I really can't tell you where that's coming from for me. Well, that's, I mean, Hollywood. This is what's right. going to happen. And stuff like that. But if legit the answer is he's leaving for sure, and he left already, if the answer is he left already, that's an extreme claim. Not like there's problems behind set and there's contract disputes. I mean, that's going to happen every season. People are always going to talk about stuff like that. But, like, they're legit saying he's gone already, and they paved over him, and they've already made decisions, and we just don't already know about it. Like, what's the kind of thing people find out about two, three days later afterwards? You usually can't keep that stuff a secret. Um, especially when there's a quarantine going on. So I don't know. Maybe it was because so much crap was happening in the world that like they kept this under wraps and nobody was paying attention because like shit was going down. But I don't know. Uh, it's it sounds like a very extreme claim that also is very detailed. It's not like they were like this happened, this happened, this happened. No, like they really laid it out. He went to this person. He made these problems. He like. It's pretty detailed, so that's kind of why I'm a little bit worried. I mean, I want to watch. If I watch it and I'm like, "Oh, his voice is cool," like voiceovers can make it break something. Like Blade Runner is a great example of that. But one of my favorite movies, Virgin Suits, one of the main reasons I love it is for Giovanni Ribisi's voiceover and for the the way he eloquently um, says the the words that are mostly from the books that they put in the movie. God, it's so. It's so good and it elevates that movie so much that I wanted to buy the book. And now I see so many different beautiful things in both of them, specifically because that was the thing that got me in the movie. And a voiceover can matter and make all the difference in the world. And I, I wouldn't want him to leave. I feel bad. Any actor is going to want to show their face more. But like, we, it's even worse where we live in a world where fans are more interested in the characters than they are the actors now. People aren't going to see an actor's movie anymore they're going to see the character the actor plays more than anything i want to go see a captain america movie not a chris evans movie you know chadwick boseman wasn't making chadwick boseman movies but now everyone wants to go see him because he's gone and things can change sure but on the average now people don't go to see movie stars anymore they see movies about characters they've already loved yeah like I don't know if it's me. Like, but, if this was happening, like, I don't, I didn't read up on when exactly this took place. But if this was happening during quarantine, this doesn't feel like the smartest move, at least on his part. Because if people aren't getting work, like, if nobody's getting work during quarantine, 
I, I think it happened. It happened during filming and production. So whenever production happened, I don't think production was happening during quarantine. It was. It was. Oh, it was. Yes. So then they did that. They did that post production pretty quickly. Then um, it must be a lot more practical than uh, we were going to give it credit for. Um, but if they were legit filming a bulk of that show that season during quarantine, then yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean every actor's feeling at the same time but um i i mean they it, it, they could go they could get out of the u.s and maybe you know live somewhere else in a different country this starts to slow down and they can do production somewhere else but hollywood is going to be on the back burner for productions for a while for sure so yeah there's yeah i I like his performance and in, in all. It's like maybe I just don't want it to be true. If it is, then I'm like typical. But like, just something about this just feels off. I just feel I got a gut feeling, and I don't know if it's like twisted or not. So, uh, well, uh, rumors are gonna get out. I think the only reason why rumors like these would get out is because not because somebody is trying to sabotage production or cause bad uh, rumors on set for any other reason than I think contract disputes. I think De- I think Diego Luna pro- I'm sorry. I think Pedro Pascal wants Oh my god, dude. No, I am Latino. I can make mistakes like <laughs> um, I think I get- it's cuz I haven't seen the show. Um I think it's because um I, I think he is legit wants to show his face more i think he wants to be in the show more and i think he's disputing that contractually through the press and trying and things are going down either he is or his agent is or disney is one of them is so um that would be my guess that's the only reason i can think either that or whoever wrote it up was bored and they wanted to cause drama and they wanted to like get clicks and they wanted to start things but it is a rather detailed rumor again so it's like, I don't know. Maybe he did go over go over some people's heads. Maybe he did talk to some people. Maybe some people perceived it as going over heads. But it makes more sense in my mind that, like, yeah, he like now that the show is big and it's good and people like it, he wants to show his face more. Like people keep talking about how great Baby Yoda is. How many people talked about the Mandalorian? Really? Like Whoa, the actual dude. Pro- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, what? So I looked on his Twitter. Right, he shared. I am. I've been stalking Pedro Pascal. Um, I've been stalking Diego Luna. That's why I haven't been getting any news. I, <laughs> did you see him in Flatliners? I bet you did. Um, Flatliners. I have no reason to see Flatliners. At least not the remake. Either. Not the remake either. Okay, yeah, so exactly. I like the original. So yeah, eleven hours ago, he um posted onto Instagram. Um, him and John Favreau and Ludwig. How do you say his name? How do you say that? Do you ask me, Ludwig Gurrison? Do not know. Gurrison. Um, he's the composer for the score of uh, Mandalorian, and he's it's Pedro Pascal, it's Ludwig Gurrison, and it's John Favreau. They're all hanging out at uh wherever they're recording the score. There's Pedro. Pedro was at the Rise of Skywalker pre- was at the Rise of Skywalker premiere. 
So was I, I went to go. That was the last movie I saw in the theater. So like the quarantine wasn't that bad then. There's been out then. There's a funny photo of Pedro conducting the, the orchestra in the Mando in the Mandalorian helmet. Nice. It inexplicably has a hole in it, so I'm instantly already questioning everything I see. No, I mean, no one said anything yet. It's just a rumor. But like. Yeah, I, it doesn't look. I, I, I yeah. Just to get. Uh, yeah, it's just like, like he's not engaging it directly. I think this. I feel like maybe this is a ta- This is all purely speculation. Obviously, everybody. Of course, yeah. But like, we're bored too. But like the way he's tweeting about the Mandalorian makes me think that this is how he's combating those rumors. Interesting. Okay. Purely speculation, but, like, yeah. Like, he's tweeting positive stuff about it. He's tweeting congratulations to the people who are working on it, who worked on it um, for the Emmys. And, yeah, like... Great. No, then that's good. Right. I. Th- yeah, I just feel like just something's off about those rumors. I feel like we're talking about a guy at school that we like. Right? <laughs> the popular oh guy at school. I hear he likes us, but let's say he doesn't. But, like, but I mean, he looked at us in the hallway. Well, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Um, okay, moving on. To Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Now, is it confirmed that he's coming back for Superman? Or is it just also, a rumor, too? Also a rumor as well. So the the rumor was that he signed a three-picture deal back with DC to play Superman somewhere for three films. Didn't say whether they were his films or whether they'd be other films, but that he was coming back. I am looking at the band in the first match of the movie from tonight. Such a, such a hodgepodge of people. He was an Enola Holmes? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, Enola Holmes, yeah. Oh, boy. People seem to like very good. Ah, see, I've heard, th- I've heard, mis- I've heard other things. Maybe, oh. maybe those early, early critiques were people that were just bought by Netflix. Yeah, they're just rumors. Like, I looked up Henry Cavill on uh, Google News, and it's just like... Well, I'm sorry, guys. I don't have anything see, to People made fan art of him as J- the next James Bond. Just a fan gossip. art, fan art, fan art. Yeah, it's all fan art. Yeah, not very many people dug that man from Uncle thing. I thought it, I w- it was okay. It was, it was all great. right. I liked all three of them, but I didn't think the movie was a was good. Yeah, can't put um, my finger. I think it's I think it's Guy Ritchie. Here's the thing. He's good. Like I think he's a good Superman, but like. He needs a he needs a fresh face. He needs color. You know what I'm saying? He, is, he, is he needs a color great, in his movie. He's a great Superman. He just needs to have like storytellers who care about him. Yeah. And here here's a funny thing, because like people remember when people were complaining that um Brie Larson as Captain Marvel wasn't smiling enough? Mm-hmm. Sure, like as soon as I look as soon as I look, I was like, wait a minute. Didn't people complain that that was the problem with Henry Cavill's Superman? It was like, nothing changes. 
nothing changes. Oh, and thing, it's the, completely different, too. Well, the thing is, there's a sexist angle, there's a misogynistic, a patriarchal, right. relustless thing. Cavill is different because it's Superman. Superman is supposed to be smiling. He's a smiling. It's, like, it's just, it's just so funny to me the difference, the the different, the, the differences that people will draw to. It's like, it's <laughs> I, arguably, I like arguably, like if this was, if, the, if there wasn't any like, if there wasn't any context to it, maybe yeah, maybe they should smile more to make them more likable, but like. It's Superman, and they decided to go dark as compared to rampant misogyny against Captain Marvel. It's like, come on, people. <laughs> They're the same thing, and you're giving two reasons about... Oh, my God. Oh, my brain is broken. I can't. I can't. That. Oh, man. That, that, that blew me away. Like... Well, I find, here's the thing that I find interesting about that, too. When... Cavill wasn't smiling in the film. They didn't blame him. Nobody blamed him. No one blamed him for his performance. They blamed Snyder for, like, right. They blamed Snyder and the writers for portraying the character that way, not the actor. He's just an actor. But Brie Larson, her performance is terrible. And she's the problem with the movie, not the filmmakers and how they decided to portray the character through their narrative and how the audience you know doesn't really know her and like everyone around her doesn't like her right. and you find out they're evil in the first place like there's so many narrative problems and structural problems that come from the writer directors that aren't really brie larson's fault that's who the character is that she's walking into but she's the problem with that performance and she, her not smiling is was her decision not the filmmakers like that's the interesting thing to me I th I always think that she didn't smile to j just to piss off those pigs. Like no, seriously, I, I don't know anything about Carol Danvers, uh, the comic book character, but I have seen like some episodes of Marvel stuff and some Marvel cartoon movies and stuff. They usually stick pretty uh, closely to the comic book versions, and that kind of is who she is. She's like a headstrong pilot. She's like a Top Gun. She's an egomaniac in the air. And the, like when her when she feels her responsibility is not just Earth but everything, she carries that weight with a sense of like um, uh, seriousness to it. She's badass, and that's how they attempted to portray that character. But I also I I, I like those filmmakers, those the two people who made Captain Marvel. But I don't think they were the right fit. At the very least, I just don't think that the structural narrative narrative of that movie is the best foot forward for that character. Um, for her to be that way and then also be surrounded by people that don't like her, and then for the rest of the film, we're learning who she is, and then it's like three-fourths to the film before we find out who her true character is and like watch her go from like that to becoming a hero in a half an hour. And it's like, you should we, we, the audience, should have known who she was. That way we would have spent most of the film going, no, remember your friend. Remember this music. Remember you loved it. Remember you did that Halloween with your friend. Like, that's the point of losing memory stories is you want that person to remember those things. You ache for it. I don't think the mystery within the film is worthy of that. Um, and when it's an introduction of a character, we should have been introduced to that character a lot earlier in that film.
um, on top of her being kind of like a no smiley, all business uh, pilot. Yeah. No, I could see how idiots could see that and be like, that's her fault. And that's the thing again, like the nerds are smart enough to know when it's a filmmaker's fault with a dude, but it's a woman's fault when it's this movie, like two filmmakers made that decision together. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I'll take back Cavill. Like I want more Cavill. I want more Affleck. I want I want everyone to come back under my problem was never them. My problem was always Snyder. Um I did give this a lot of thought when I say this. But if it's not Cavill, if they don't cast Michael B. Jordan, I'm done. He's wanted it. If I'm right, they tested it. They didn't go with it, but I want it. Michael B. Jordan if it ain't Cavill. Um, Otherwise, I'm done. I'm not playing this game with you, DC. Would I, would I love that? Absolutely. I think a lot of people would. And I think now's the time to, you know, do something that bold. But no. It's not going to Really? Happen. They're not going to put a black man in Oh, I thought you meant you didn't want it to happen, sir. No, I wanted to. Of course I want it to happen. Michael B. Jordan is great. And yes, I have heard he's really pushed for that and wants it. And there's a big push for people behind it. Just, you know, like, just like I would have loved Ildris Elba as Bond. Just like I think there are other black actors that would be great for Bond. Females, too. Um, uh, uh, there's a lot of people I'd like for Bond. Uh, there's a huge Indian culture in England. Just, it would be amazing. Um, I, I, I look at, I, I look how people respond to athletes kneeling still. Yeah, about a yeah, flag. Yeah. I don't think they want Superman to wear the flag yet. That's what the costume is. It may be his. It may be his uh, clothes that he had and the blanket he wore as a baby from his home planet. But like he's wearing red, blue, and is a white character for a reason. <laughs> so I think we're not there yet. I want it. I would want it. But I think everything now they would lose. I think comics and DC, at least maybe in the DCU, don't want to pull that trigger yet they don't even have a black superhero yet they're just going to jump it from zero to 60 and make it superman no um i think they'd redo steel maybe or um give i mean everything with ray is not bring back shaquille o'neal for steel uh i again why would you not know that he's a guy in a costume why would you wear a costume we all know who it is your height is amazing. Your speech is, uh, is no one can do it. We all know who you are. <laughs> You'd be found immediately in your grandmother and the little kid that you know would be dead. So is your wheelchair found friend. It's a dumb movie. Um, cast somebody with a regular size. <laughs> like fall into it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, and then the stuff with cyborg isn't going well right now too. Ray Fisher is that that stuff is not going well with him. Like they're going to do Justice League, and then like I'm pretty sure he's not going to work with DC anymore. Things are not going well with him, so we'll see how that happens. So they don't really have any black um, superheroes right now. Like uh, Marvel, Marvel has one of them. DC may have a woman that's better than or not better, but more popular than Captain Marvel. Um, it is a better movie, but I don't necessarily know if it's a better character. Um, I, 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 think, I, 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 I don't know where I fall on that. The only reason I say, I mean, she's a, uh, let me put it, okay. So it is a better, more um, 
varied performance from Gal Gadot, and I love her, especially since the Fast and Furious movies. I think she's great, and I think that movie's great, and I think her fish out of water stuff, and she covers every angle of it perfectly. But I like Lee Larson. I don't think that movie is a good representation of that character, and I don't think her performance was directed very well either. And I'm pretty sure that I don't know who's directing Captain Marvel two, but it is the same. Oh God, they casted they casted somebody. They got somebody to do it. Um, if it's the same filmmakers, the same two filmmakers, then um, I then I'm worried because they may make the same mistakes. But hopefully they'll learn. But I think that character has a lot of potential. Um, and the main reason I feel that way is because I grew up in an Air Force base. Um, that kind of attitude reminds me a lot of my childhood. And just, you know, pilots in general and boots and stuff like that, that kind of They tone. did get somebody else. Good. Uh, I don't know who was, but... Uh, um, he I had DaCosta. That sounds familiar, but I don't think I know their stuff. Let's look here. Anyway, uh, sure. Uh, Let me to investigate. They made uh, a movie called Little Woods. Don't know. Um, they're coming out with. She's coming out with a movie called Candyman in 2021. Oh, wow! She's doing the candy. It's a she, and she's doing the Candyman remake. Gotcha. Sweet. Okay. What is Sleeping with the Enemy? Uh, it's in development. Never mind. It may be a remake of something that I'm thinking of, but I don't think so. But it came director, classic horror movie. So Little Woods, my guess is a horror movie. Then, yeah, Little Woods. She directed two episodes of from a show called Top Boy. Don't know it. Don't um, know it. But Candyman, if if she's doing Candyman, people like her. Yeah. Um. She's also an African American woman, so there's your diversity hire. At least. Candyman, Candyman is one of the most famous black horror icons. He is a slave that was, um, I think they hung him up, but then they also poured honey all over his head. So while he was being hung, hanged, he, he was getting his face stung by bees, and he ends up as a ghost murdering people. So like, ra- racism is a big part of the character. So that's interesting. So, so um, Little Woods starred mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson and Lily James. Huh. Um, I like James a lot. Plot summary. A modern western that tells the story of two sisters, Ollie and Deb, who are driven to work outside their lives. For years, Ollie has illicitly helped the struggling residents of, their, of her North Dakota oil boomtown access Canadian health care and medication. When the authorities catch on, she plans to abandon her crusade, only to be dragged in even deeper after a desperately d- desperate plea for help from her sister. Okay. Uh, so drama then. Okay, interesting. Um, Modern Western is what they, is the explicit language that they're using. Ooh, okay, alright. Well, I'm going to have to check that out because I love both those actresses and uh, I was looking forward to what I was hearing about this new Candyman. Uh, I like Candyman. I think it's a very weird movie. <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, and uh, I'm glad somebody else is doing Captain Marvel too. I'm glad it's somebody else with, who has a style and a flourish people recognize easily. Um, because that's... I, I don't... I never knew why they picked those filmmakers 
for Captain Marvel, except for that they are known for getting great performances out of people. And yet they did not get the right performance out of her. And I don't know why. And I think it may have been like the stress of Marvel. They'd never made an action movie before. So I feel bad. I want them to make something good again. I like Half Nelson. You know, they, they helped break Ryan Gosling into Oscar movies. So I, I like them a lot. I really wish, I really hope they get another chance. I hope they make the money from Captain Marvel. They take the money from Captain Marvel and do something great with it because, you know, it may not have been the best thing for him, but whatever. Are you. Are you hearing this dog too? I keep trying to like hit it. I was about to say, were you hearing this from your tree? Yes, I know. I'm hitting it with spitballs. I think I'm making it worse. Here, let me uh, let me just don't hit it with pants. I'm making it. Here, listen to this. Oh, did you snap its neck? What's going on? Oh no, I just closed the hydraulic door on it. Oh, okay. There you go. You have a Harrison Ford style. Nice. You shot first. Dig it. So the dog is yep. dead because you shot it. Harrison Ford style. That's what I took from that. Well, you I'm hit it with this, a stick. I'm looking at this trailer for Little Woods. It looks looks pretty good. Well, I'm happy then. I'm happy. Um, I just didn't understand what happened with that movie, and the only evidence I found was in the script that I've had problems with. Everything else was just like, I think that they were just not right for that. I don't think the problem... I just it, When it comes to this point, though, at the end of the day, it's like they look at they look at Superman and Cavill and how his character is, and they blame the filmmakers, not the actor. In this case, they blame the actress, not the filmmakers, because it's just easier and a bit racist. I, I'm sorry, not racist, sexist. Um, but I, I do think that also that movie it has problems that are hard to ignore uh, and also talk about when sexism is part of it. You know, how do you how how do I be a 30 year old white cis male and kind of criticize that movie objectively without coming across a certain way? Um, and I think a lot of that is just patience and seeing the other work from the filmmakers and stuff. But it doesn't matter. They're not making the next one. And I hope they make they, they take the money and do something better with it. Right. So there you go. everybody. Uh, Henry Cavill is maybe coming back. We don't know. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Or DC talk. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for news. Yeah, but not really. Slow week. Emmys is going on. We'll talk about that next time. Um, Watch anything? Did you? Um, no, a, I will talk about my meltdown that I was... That I brought up. Okay. Um, let's see. Did I watch anything interesting? Uh, not really. Oh, um, I dove back into the Before Trilogy, and I think that's my favorite trilogy now. And I really want it to not <laughs> wow. want there to be a fourth film. I want there to be a fourth film soon, but it sounds like that uh, that's not going to happen based off of their writing process and that they haven't even started it yet. So um, it looks like it might end up always being my favorite trilogy, but I was just like diving into it again this week. And I was like, oh, my God. Love these three movies so much. It's so interesting how they made them, how they come across, how people respond to them, the three different people who like made it, and how they all sort of respond differently to both what it is, how they made it, and how people respond to it. So it's really interesting to me. Um, and they're also just romantic, and I like them a lot. So that's pretty much it. The before sunrise, before sunset, before midnight. Excellent movies. 
The funny thing happened. I didn't watch anything start to finish. But. So. um, I was coming home from a shoot. Yesterday. And. um, Dad had TNT on. And they're running a Star Wars marathon, of course. And it uh, it was on The Last Jedi. Uh-huh. And, and I was cutting my hair. And um, I can't really do the back of my head. I don't have enough mirrors to do it. So I had to get Dad to do it. But, like, we were both kind of, like, sucked in to the, la- to the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. So we were waiting for a commercial break, the last commercial break to hurry up and, fin- and finish my hair. And they, and so it cuts at where Ray says, lifting, just like, just like lifting rocks. And then going, and then we ran to the bathroom. I was like, okay, dad, go, 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 hurry up, hurry up. I gotta see, I gotta see the rest of this. This is, this is something that you could pause. And watch in any other streaming service. Right, right, right. I can love that. You guys could just say we can go watch this on, you know, Disney Plus when we're done. <laughs> but then, so it's, we came it's back the early. Joy of, it's the joy of watching a movie on TV. We came back early. We finished the movie. I was just gushing about how damn good it looked. Um. Oh, like easily the best looking of the three, I think. Of those three, yeah. Um, and so I like it was just like, oh God, it was just so. I gotta watch that movie again, start to finish, at some point. I have to bring myself to do it, and the reason that I haven't like done it a lot since it came out in theaters is because like there's such like a negative swirl around it that I just like a negative black hole that I get sucked into and that context is always in the back of my mind that I'm like I'm probably like I cannot shake the feeling even though it's probably not true this chair is gonna fall apart any second now. Um it's probably that um I'm trying, I can't shake I can't help but shake this feeling that's probably not true. It was like I'm probably one of the few people who enjoy in like who enjoys this. It was just like and that and that's always like disappointing to me cuz then I can't like share that with really anybody else outside of you and Zach and cuz I know Matt hates it. Um happy birthday Matt. Um I haven't talked to Matt about it a lot. I know I know he hates it. Um I bet I could convince him of some interesting points, but it would be... Uh, <laughs> Good luck with that. That's, that, that's, that's a day. Like, that's a day for you. That's, it'd be a bloodbath. Um, and, like, I just... And then I just had a complete, like, meltdown. I was just like, that's what... Alex, I think I'm, I think I'm starting... I think I fully... I think you've won me over. Like, what the frick was Rise of Sky? <laughs> like I don't want to I don't want to beat a dead horse because we bring we've brought this up for like the last like four or five episodes but like dang it so like I was just having a like a meltdown dad and dad 
Dad liked it. Dad liked it when we came out of the theater, as, as did I. I was like, that was fun enough, I guess. That was more like a Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing. Jay, so he, Jay, hi, man. The more you take it, the lesser that lasts. The shorter that lasts. The, yeah. Um, so Dad was like, they should not have brought Palpatine back. And so I, re- I, I, I reiterated what you said. It's like, oh, you know what? I, I, I was willing to accept. I, I accepted that. Like that Palpatine came back. Because Rise of Skywalker is difficult to follow up on, as you've said. At least um, in villain terms. At least in villain terms. If you're not, yes. not going to make her, if you're not going to make her anybody, and you're going to make her nobody, and use her, which I think would have been the better idea, of starting and like pushing forward the future of the franchise with Finn, with Poe, you know, new people, more more people with Jedi forces, her going to other planets, building a rebellion again. If she's going to run that gamut, then I have no problem with like the fan service angle of Kylo Ren redemptioning again. I have no problem if you're going to bring Palpatine back and all that stupidity and all that crap. If you move forward with the future of the series with her, and you give him the fan service. Give him the Han Solo moment with his ghost dad. Do all of that. I don't care. I really don't. But at the end of the day, like to do the same thing with her too, pushed me over the edge at the end of the day. Like I understand these are sci-fi movies, and it's hard to make your conflict in your villains and you haven't made them that concrete. And like, oops, we made Kylo Ren too baddie bad. We should pull him back if we're going to make Rey nobody and really you know test the fans with that i can see that someone could make that convincing argument to me yeah but to do both was breaking point for me um and then i was just like complete it was it was like a complete uncontrollable meltdown of me just like finally just like snapping it was just like i what so it was like <laughs> it was so it was so funny. I brought it up. I brought it up. <laughs> I was like, I was talking to my friend at church, and he's. Like, I was like, I had a complete meltdown. Dad, you were there. He's like, like, yep. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was not. It was. It was pretty funny. Um, but like, yeah, I think I've. I think I've snapped on that movie. Personally, here's here's your relationship with Star Wars to me. Okay, Star Wars. Star Wars for you is like um, the a most annoying like Ross and Rachel on and off relationship. <laughs> but like right now, I'm glad like, you assumed I knew what that meant. Now, now like, uh, like I think so. I think Friends is close enough for you that you'd at least know Ross and Rachel without having right. watched the show. But like, right. like, uh, I, I, like, um, there, there was one on Cheers. There was like, there's been a bunch, but like. The, the relationship that's on and off again, like you say you hate it, but you also love it. It's like it's but like at the end of the day, like you're at that point right now where like you have everything ahead of you. You have an entire life and a future without Star Wars. Like you it's so many potential so many potential things are in front of you. Like like the best right. opportunities in front of you, but then Star Wars calls and it said it was in a car accident and you immediately drop everything in your life and lose all your opportunities to go be by Star Wars. <laughs> That is that is the relationship, but no ma- and you don't see the ending after that. You just that, that character wanted. That is the decision they made, and that is how that story will always end for you. That no matter what you, what is happening in your life, Star Wars will whenever it calls, you would drop everything to be there for, for better or worse. That is the relationship. So since that is the case, 
I assume you're gonna be up again, man. Like no, I don't like no, I don't think so. Like here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm, here's my thing, Alex. I've said this before. I would have forgiven everything, everything, Alex. Everything that you hated about the movie, I would have forgiven. Everything I hated about the movie, I would have completely forgiven. Ray being a Finn being pushed to the side. I did. I did. And I'm I'm losing my mind because of it. It just makes me mad even more that there was a point that I liked. Okay, anyway. I would have forgiven it all. Ray being a Palpatine and throwing away all that potential. Finn being pushed to the side. And, like, just being reduced to yelling Ray every five minutes. Um, Chewbacca. The Chewbacca death fake out. The whole Palpatine wants Ray dead, but then doesn't. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... You would have forgiven all of it. Yeah, I get it. I would have forgiven everything if it didn't move at the speed of a moving bullet. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's I, just the thing. beat, 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 beat. And it just doesn't stop. Imagine, like, as to allude to the, um, um, to allude to the movie that we are reviewing tonight. Like when Slipknot was playing on that stage and everybody was walking by indifferent to the, to, different to the noise that they're hearing, which is a perfect summary of Slipknot, uh, in my opinion. Um, just same chorus over and over again. If you put that, if you put like the fastest song you can think of on loop for two and a half hours, like that's how it moved. It's just bam. Like the fastest songs you can think of compiled in a two and a half hour like spot fest, then that's what it was like. That's why I said whiplash when I came out of the theater. I feel like I was just in a car going Mach 5. Do, do do I think that I would have been fine with you making the argument that you would have liked all the bad story choices, script choices in this movie if it's if it was technically impressive and technically a good movie that just made some dumb decisions? Yes, I would have forgiven you because we all like dumb movies that are fun and interesting to watch. But no, it really hurts that that movie makes dumb choices, lazy choices, and is also a bad movie. Which is why I really find it interesting when people are like, uh, um, do you hate Last Jedi they because you like it, or just because it's a bad movie? And no one's ever really, really made a true argument to me that that movie is a piece of shit. You just can't. It's a good movie. It's well done. It may not have done what you liked, but it was a well-done movie. And Rise of Skywalker is sadly a poorly done movie, as well as just being dumb. They killed Chewie and stopped the plot dead. They didn't. No, they didn't. They, they, killed, they killed Stormtroopers. They killed Stormtroopers. Chewie was fine the whole time. They never killed him. He, he gave they you the impression that you killing thought. killing him and then no, stopped is, the plot dead. This is literally why people are pissed about Last Jedi. He gave you the assumption that Chewie died. And what happened to all the characters that made that assumption? They freaked out. They all freaked out. 
what did everyone assume was going to happen after Force Awakens? That she was going to be this, that she was going to be that. And when she wasn't, they all freaked out. That's what J.J. Abrams does, man. He just he gives you the impression that something's going to happen, but he would never do it or he would never change it. And if he does, then like everyone freaks out. Who is she? She's somebody important because that's, you know, I'm alluding to that. But do you have an answer to that question? No, I don't. Is Chewie dead? No, he's not. I'd never stick to that. But you thought he was dead. He was never dead. He made you think he was dead. He made you they think showed he was two freaking transports for God's sake. No, they, they I, I just, there's no reason to that point at all. There's no reason to Chewie going through that experience. There's no reason for everyone else to go through the experience with Chewie. The only reason is to show that she can also conjure Force Lightning. That's it. That's it. That's it. There's no other reason. Like, they go and they do something and they say it's for Chewie, but they would have done that shit if Chewie was there or not. Hold on. It doesn't do anything. It's just like the dagger. It's just like the wayfinder. It's just like all the other crap in that movie. And uh, trust me, movies have crap all the time. I don't have a problem with that. But they did it in such a way that was insulting to both the thing that came before it and the audience that is watching it at at the exact moment they're showing it to you. So that's why that speed has to happen. That's why that pace has to happen so that you don't stop and think about how dumb they think you are for making these kinds of decisions. And it sucks that the film is hurt by these dumb decisions. Like, it hurts the thing you want to look at and enjoy inherently without thinking about it because it assumes you're too dumb to think about it anyway. Oh, I hate that. Like, movies can have crap in them. Dad, can you hear me? Oh, my gosh. Hold on. Dad, I can't hear you. Hold on. Can you hear me, Dad? Dad! Dad, get in here! (laughs) Yeah. Dad, get in here. So, so he can't hear me, correct? He cannot hear you, Alex. Okay, Dad. Okay. Gotcha. So I got Alex with me on the sh- on the show, right? Okay. Hello, I need Chris. You. He said Alex says hi. Um. So, can you best to your ability describe? Don't look. Don't look at that. Best describe. Oh, I'm intrigued. My reaction when Ray was revealed as a Palpatine. In the movie theater. Man. The first thing that came out of his mouth was those MFers, those <laughs> sons of bees. He cursed up a storm. I was going to wash his mouth out with soap. He called the directors and everything. Christopher called them everything but a child of God. Ow. I'm, I'm serious. It was about for like about five minutes. He's like, I can't believe they did this. Ray Ray a Palpatine. Make Ray a Palpatine. No, I'm talking about in this was in the theater. In the theater. I did that. I just oh, remember God. like doing theater. a face palm. I, that's all I remember. No man. I, I, I may have blacked out. <laughs> I may have blacked I, out. I, I think you I need to trust you saw you cursed off the directors <laughs> and everybody that had a turn at a, at a hand in, in, in making that decision. You uh, like those sons of those MFers. in the movie. I, uh-huh. I must have blacked out. <laughs> That's probably my influence. You did, man. I'm telling you, and I'm sure I'm standing here. Um, you did. Um, Alex takes responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, your mother has something to do with that too. Oh uh, yeah, and then yeah, her her influence. Okay. Um, thanks, Dad. Yeah. No, 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 hold on. Actually, Dad. What? So now that you're removed from The Rise of Skywalker, what? Mm-hmm. Re- remind me what you said last, what you were saying last night. 
when I when I was having a freak out moment. Like, you didn't want no. them to bring back Palpatine. No, I did not. Um, can you, can you ask him this, Chris? Because I, I don't know why I thought it was a bad okay. idea. Hold on, Dad. What was that, Alex? Could you could you ask him this and tell him I don't have an answer either, and still don't. I've thought about this long and hard, and I give them the fact that this was a hard problem to solve. What would he have done for a villain in that movie instead? What would okay? So Alex is asking because he doesn't know the answer to this either. Mm-hmm. What would what would you have done as an alternative if you if you if you if you could choose who would you have as the villain instead? This might not go very good, Alex. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that. You can't pick Kylo Ren. He's already the villain. Brought, I would have brought Snoke oh. back and made him the villain because bring Snoke they need, back. They needed to move on. They can't. They they need to move on. They moved on from Skywalker trilogy. They need to move on from their enemies as well. They need to move on from Palpatine. Palpatine should have stayed dead. Okay, so if he could bring back Snoke in any way without judgment, how would he have done it? How would you? Okay, how would you have brought back? How would you have brought back Snoke? And I don't mean judgment. I just in the most creative way I you have can to think. Think about that one. That that that'd been kind of hard to do, but after all, I mean, they would have thought of something because Palpatine was thrown down a shaft, exactly. Down a reactor yeah. core, and he lived exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like it's I just so, it. I have no problem with that. You cannot kill a Sith by throwing them down the reactor core, and neither can cleaving them in half with a lightsaber. That that is true. Ask him this. How would he feel if Kylo got his redemption and Hux in the First Order somehow became the villains? How would you feel if um, Ben Solo got his redemption and then Hux and the First Order became the main villains? That might have worked, however, it defeats the purpose because the Sith would have still lost, and Hux is not Force-sensitive, that we know. Or what, well, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. He was never intended to, I can guarantee yes, you that. but right. it would have been to the so end of the that would have been the Hold on, Dad. Sorry, Alex, go ahead. I, I'm sorry, tell him I'm sorry for interrupting, but it would have been the sorry. end of the whole Sith-Jedi thing. And it would have moved on for the whole Skywalker bit. So basically, he's saying it would have moved. Like, wait, sorry. Like, so it would have moved on from the whole. It would have moved on from Sith and Jedi altogether, and Skywalkers and the Palpatines, and it would have made a better, a more open future for what Star Wars could have been. They could have escaped from the whole one Sith, one Jedi thing. Okay. Well, I guess wait a minute. Here, Alex, he can hear you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm done translating. <laughs> it's hard to have a little bit. The Sith would have generally been gone for good. Uh-huh. Uh, I, well, I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Who did it better to get, to get rid, of rid of Jedi, Jedi one, one Jedi thing, thing with the with death of the Skywalker? Star Wars opening a whole range of Kind of okay, you kind of cut out there, Alex. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, like, so, uh, that, that it, the, Jedi the Jedi and Sith died with the Skywalker and then it opened up the 
new stories. Okay. That would have worked. I, I could have got. That's I could have done with that. I could. I could. I could get with that. That would have worked. That's all. That's all. Okay. That so. would work, but I just did not like bringing Palpatine back. I thought that was a very bad idea. Agreed. That's just me Agreed. personally, but I don't think it was a good yep, idea. He, he agrees. I had to plug him back. I had to plug you back in, Alex, because the speak, speaker's cutting out. Um, man, I, 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 all I remember is just face palming really hard you when did that happened. But did I black? Did I black? I must have blacked. I do not remember going on a tirade in the movie theater. You, it wasn't I, loud, but it was loud enough. I was sitting next to you. You were like, them MFers, those sons of those. Okay, know. actually, you know what? It's slowly coming back to me. <laughs> it's slowly coming back to me. Now, I rem- now I'm starting to remember. Like, oh, my God. That was... Uh... It tripped you off for a good... It tripped you off for a good three minutes, dude. You kept saying it, folks. Wow. And, when, and the, the funny thing is, when she shot force lightning out of her hand, I was like, I like... That's, they're doing it. They're doing it. I'm not happy about this, but I'm going to wait until they say it. I'm going to wait until they say it out loud. <laughs> to freak out. Now I remember. When she shot lightning out of her hand and quote-unquote killed Chewie, I was like, I was like, they're going to do it. I'm going to get mad, but I'm waiting for them to explicitly well, say it. Well, then you saw into it better than I did because I didn't, I, you know, I, you know, anybody with the dark, using the dark side can shoot force lightning. Right, unless you're Kyle Katarn from the Jedi from Jedi Outcast. Well, okay, yeah, let's see, but anybody <laughs> from the dark side. Well, that that is, that is that is. Well, except for Darth Vader, who couldn't because he was half metal. But yeah. That that's, so. just let him know, like that. That's what I, I was upset about Rise of Skywalker the most because it it was an opportunity to take all these things that people have become used to. And do new things. Yeah, and that's they, what he thought I of as well. Palpatine, it really sort of hurt that. It hurt those possibilities because I don't think no one is excited for what the future is because no one knows what it is. The the movie yeah. made no claim to what the future would be for this series. So, uh, let me see if I. So yeah, that was that was kind of I had to bring that in for that one because like. I had to. It was so fun. It was so funny. I I wish I had videoed it, man. It was hilarious. (laughs) I do too. It was hilarious, man. I was laughing. I think I missed a few people laughing at Chris. Oh, God. So many recordings recordings going going. on. Relationship to Star Wars. Wars. I did. Never, never, never. All right, thanks, Dad. Yeah. I release you now. And your fly is down. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh wow. That is a way to end that. <laughs> His Thank fly you. is always down, I swear to God. I hope Thank it wasn't when he was on stage. <laughs> you missed a rose. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore um, Star Wars. Yeah, he knows more about the old universe than uh, he does. He, because like I remember, Mister Sunday movies also covered that uh, in one that in one comic, 
Luke force projected himself four times. Now, which in, which is more interesting to you? <laughs> which is the better use of astral projection that is to you? <laughs> Gotta say, I I just think so many opportunities. The the I think at the end of the day, the more I think about Rise of Skywalker, there hurts me the most. Like, yes, it was spiteful with the way that they handle a lot of those things, and then like kind of just a lot of those things maybe just had were last minute decisions by a director who never thought he was going to make this but i it, i really am upset that it no that as a concluding film to the, all of these nine films they claim it is it isn't an ending and also as an ending it doesn't give you an idea of what the future is and right. that's the most important thing of this we all knew we were going to get more star wars stuff but if it ends there and it never goes further than that, I don't believe you, sir. I don't. And I don't believe that's ever what you would have done with these characters while you made them in films in the first place. So that is probably the worst thing for me. They never planned a future in that last film. They, in fact, deliberately tried not to. And that hurts as a fan, as a genuine, just ordinary fan. I'm not a diehard, but like, that sucks, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not anyway. hopeful for the after that movie, and that's like, that's really depressing. That's just sad. Yeah, imagine how I feel. Anyway, um, well, gonna make, they're gonna make more, and people, there, I guarantee you, in ten years or so, there will people that will grow up who watch these movies as kids. They will get in the business. They will get these actors back. They will, they will tell better stories, and they will fix this. I guarantee you, or it'll get worse. <laughs> okay. No, like people will take it and they'll make it better. That's that that is the great thing about like comic book stuff. Like how many times did they try and try to make like all of these DC movies and Marvel movies and stuff to and like every now and then a Superman would come up or a Batman would come up, but then they would die off into obscurity for being like too goofy. But and eventually they found the footing and now like they're all getting second chances again ones that never would have gotten chances have chances now are taken seriously because they were always good characters to begin with so eventually this world for what it is will be returned to with these characters that are good it's sadly not in the trilogy that is good and they will be handled better in the future i believe it it's just gotta happen yeah it was uh that's what it's it's so it'll never happen but like it was really why i it was like I really wanted, um, like I really like wanted, like Return of the Jedi to come back to theaters, even though they won't do it because it's just that's just not how that works. Anyway, no, most more people <sighs> will see uh, Empire. Yeah. So there's our our weekly um, Rise of Skywalker tirade, everybody. It's a now it's going to be a, a, a recurring segment. On this program, it all—it already was. We're just the ones who have accepted it now. Yeah. So now we move on to our main event, I guess. Oh my god! Rollerball. <laughs> Freaking rollerball, man! This Roller was ball. you, right? This was you. Okay, this was me. This was me. Oh my god! I think this is one of the worst things we've ever watched on here in terms of like big budget movies. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about that. 
What would you think as a big budget movie is worse than this? Ready to rumble? Catwoman. You can't watch Catwoman. Catwoman is not yeah. a watchable movie. I mean, I don't know. I think Catwoman actually has a plot that makes that has an A, B to C that I like more than in this movie. This movie is about a guy who accidentally becomes a revolutionary leader, and that's it. Like, it's Hunger Games. Oh my god! A, it's eighty. It's eighty. Like seventy-five percent of it is rollerball matches that are like completely incomprehensible most of the time, and then the rest is just like this social commentary and world. I I can't. This is like the third time I've watched this movie freely, and I I still don't know what countries were in half the time, and I figured out why. There but was like, Mongolia. There was Russia. Like when what we're in at the time that we're in it, like sometimes oh. I don't even. Every everything that isn't rollerball is so confusing that it's, it's so hard to tell. But y- yes, like it's like I would take the plot of a woman who dies, gets the powers of a cat, becomes a criminal, only to be a superhero and revenge herself, and like. She's now an anti-hero in Gotham. Like, that's an A, B, to C story I can get behind. It's just also... That is a worse movie than this in terms technically. But this movie has, like, no story, really. Really. I mean, the other movies have done this so- story better. You're right. Like, it is no whole bars. But it's I also just... Running Man. It's also Hunger Games. Yeah, it's also, like, um, Death Race, you know, with prisoners and stuff, like. Yeah, I was I was immediately getting like Death Wish vibes, like that whole like I was getting I was getting Death Wish, um, I was getting like what other like there's something about like there's a few there's um there's the Steve Austin one where they go to an island condemned condemned. There's Running Man, where Arnold Schwarzenegger's on a TV show and you have to survive. There's Death Race, which is... Um, there's the original Death Race, which is just people who would race and you'd murder. It, like, people just had cars. They were criminals now, on the run and then they raced. Whereas, like, the Statham one, they're actual prisoners that are uh, um, forced to race and then, like, they race against the system like they do here, too. We have a lot to blame The Truman Show for. This is one of them. This is not the Truman Show. <laughs> that was a joke. I know. Way better. <laughs> uh, the Truman Show. The Truman Show. I think is a result of like the real world and stuff like that. Like genuine reality shows that were like at the heart really about like let's put a camera in front of a person and watch them eat their cereal. Like, also, here's happen? the here's the funny part, right? Here's the thing. Here's the kicker about this whole thing. So Paul Heyman is in this movie. Do you know this guy's story? With ECW, oh my gosh! Okay, the wrestling. Okay, so which I'm about to bring. So I'm about to slam some wrestling knowledge in here. Okay, it was the um, it was the he was the announcer. God, I hated this guy. Go ahead. You're about to hate him even more. So, You're so Paul Heyman was the promoter for Extreme Championship Wrestling in the 90s, right? Smack dab in the middle of the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars between WCW and WWF. I, I thought he was a wrestling announcer, yeah. So, still working to this day. Um, so, 
this movie took place a year after that company died. Now you here's what happened. He fell into a lot of debt working with working for ECW. Working with ECW. So towards the tail end, like the last year or so, he actually sold it to WWE and then left the promotion and left all their wrestlers in the wind. But the, but the show kept, uh, the, uh, the promotion was still going. They kept it going. He was taking money from WWE whilst running ECW. And then towards the tail end, he kind of like split, ran off while there were shows still going. Like he dared pay-per-view, he, like he dared TNN at the time, which what has now become, then became Spike, what is now Paramount Network. He dared them to take him off television. He They called his bluff and took ECW off television. <laughs> Um, so for that last few pay-per-views, he kind of wasn't, he really wasn't there. He just abandoned his company. Um, and yeah, um, so, and plus ECW was like, no rules, hit all the people, like weapons and gore and all that stuff. But for him to... For him to play the announcer with a heart after everything that has come out about the man is so funny to me. He roots for the uh, a possible murder of his boss. He's like, literally, do it. No, but he's like, but here's the funny part. He's not, he's not like, he's not, he doesn't, um, he's against his boss putting his employers through hell to get ratings in the first place. That's the funny part. No, he's like, funny, he's against that part. He No, okay. He is, yes. Everything you're saying is true. But all of the announcers are. All of, and, and like, even, like, everyone turns eventually because for some reason, there's like an honor to this game, you know? There's an honor that they're besmirching somehow. What are the fucking rules to this game, man? And like <laughs> he explained it too. He explained it, but I still don't know. It's it's ridiculous. This thing, this stuff, makes no sense at all. And they're like, there's an honor to this game. There's a respect to this game, and they're soiling it. And it's like, I don't know what the hell any. Like, there's no rules. They literally cut the rules in the last quarter at the end of the movie. Like, there's no. Like everyone's like all freaking out. It's like, oh, that that ruins the honor of the game. It's like, yeah, it allows people to get murdered. It allows like horrible things to happen. It allows people to cheat. And like, there's no game then. It's just like people on roller skates running around with a metal ball hurting each other. And then like, it's not a game. It's just a death um, match at that. They point. took so. It took them forever after that point. It took them forever after that point for them to be like, you know what? I, I my my conscience is speaking like fuck all of them fuck everyone who thought this shit was good so no 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 okay so it's like they took they wanted to use football terminology but they did not want to use football 
as the sport that this movie revolves around. So they no created kidding. they created a sport to use all that terminology for and thought it would make sense or at least sound cool in motion, but it doesn't. Okay, so let me let me tell you a bit about what this is. Yes, where was McTiernan during this? Was this while he was going insane and before he went to jail for whatever tax crime he committed? Uh, okay, so I'm going to get into this. I don't think he went insane. I just think things went bad for him. But He uh, made Die Hard, and he comes out with this? Okay, so I'm going to explain what happened here. Okay, so first of all, this is a remake of a movie that came out in 1975 called Rollerball, starring James Caan. It was made by a director named Norman Jewison. Now, Norman Jewison is a very, uh, uh, I guess you would say he's a varied director. He, he has done a lot of things from musicals to actions to drama. He, you know, got, got um, Al Pacino an Oscar nomination. He made Fiddler on the Roof. He made, um, I believe he made Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, he, uh, he's just made a lot of amazing stuff. The last good thing he made was in 19, and this guy started working in the 50s. His first movie was like in 1962. In 1965, he made Steve McQueen big with like Cincinnati Kid. Um, uh, his last good movie was The Hurricane with um, Denzel Washington in 1999. So he's a very respected filmmaker. Um, and McTiernan really loved him. This is actually the second Norman Jewison film that he remade. He made The Thomas Crown Affair with Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo. And it was originally made by Jewison um, with, I don't remember who the actress was, but it was with Steve McQueen again. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, and so this is not the first time he's worked with uh, that director's material. So he's excited. He wanted to make this. Um, but uh, I, I, I haven't seen the, the first Rollerball entirely. It's, I didn't have a chance to watch it this week until right before we started talking. I got about 20 minutes in. And the differences are stark. Um, <laughs> for one thing, this was based off of a short story that was written in 1972 that had the game in it. Um, and uh, ever, at the end of every game, the goal was murder. Uh, it was called Murder Rollerball. And it, that was Rollerball at a time. Murder. Rollerball short. Murder. <laughs> I love that name. Uh, and um, that was at a time where people could still write short stories with the goal of getting them immediately sold for, as a film. And uh, that's what happened. And it, it, when I watched the movie, when it first started, they, don't, they, they just start with a game. They don't tell you anything about characters or anything. They start with the game of rollerball. And it's awesome. It looks awesome. It, it looks like roller derby, but football. It's football roller derby. And it's all in a circle. So they're just going in this circle. And in the center of the circle is like a pit crew for the Daytona. Like they have two benches for each team and they relax. But they go around the thing and they, you know, they score along holes along the wall. It's really fun to look at. And apparently it was so real that when they weren't filming, they would play the game uh, off. <laughs> on, on, on <laughs> so like, it, it's a really interesting looking movie. And then outside of that, the villain is like a shakes he's shakespearean he's such a good actor he's in this world corporations have entirely taken over there were corporate wars and everything is owned by corporations like if you work for a corporation on a higher scale and you have a beautiful wife and another you know a chairman or somebody wants your wife 
you, the corporation makes you give your wife away. This Ugh. is a terrible future. It's a terrible future, but it's beautiful looking. Um, it's hypnotic, and the the villain is so well spoken. He is so good. Um, and so the sci-fi element of this world, while not described or explained very well, is visually very interesting. And everyone's acting in a really odd way. I liked it a lot as a sci-fi movie. Um, and I liked the sport they played and how they shot it. Um, so it's more like football. It's more like roller derby and football. So they use a lot of the football terms for rollerball. But when John McTiernan got this movie, uh, he decided that that wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to do wrestling. He thought pro wrestling was the best thing because it was very famous at the time this was made. He thought that was the best um, comparison for rollerball for our time in the early 2000s. Um, for John McTiernan, he started really big. He had like one small film, it got his name out, and that's when he made Predator. And Predator is his second film. And Die Hard is his third film. And then he uh, went off and he made Hunt for Red October, which is excellent, excellent drama. He then made Last Action Hero, which we have also seen. And then he made the third Die Hard movie, which we have also seen. So this is our fourth John McTiernan movie. And then he made um, the Thomas Crown Affair remake. And then he made The 13th War. Now, this is where things get crazy. Uh, the 13th War is a bad production for him. It's an interesting movie. I haven't seen all of it, but I want to go back to it one day. It'd be a good curiosity wheel for us. It's got, like, you know, um, swords and, like, wizards and stuff like that. And it's, it's like a Dungeons and Dragons type thing. It's like magic and stuff. Uh, and it was a bad production. did not go well for him. And here was an even worse production. This was his second movie. Uh, uh, after that, his next movie after that. And then after this, he made Basic with John Travolta and uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and then he went to prison. He's out of prison, and he has not had an opportunity to make another film, and we all want him to, but he just did not have... Things just went really bad for him in the end. Now, I don't know whether he was bad or he was causing problems, but there's a lot of crazy decisions here for this movie that make me think he kind of didn't have... A, like a good idea about what to do here. Like there, I, I don't, it's not a lot redeemable about this movie for me. Not a lot. Um, but he, yes, he didn't want the football aesthetic of the original movie, which a lot of people didn't like. He wanted uh, wrestling. So that's why he got the wrestling announcer. It seems that's why um, costumes are important and big and um, interesting things about the costumes. The villains for that they keep every opposing team they play is the exact same group of people, stunt people. They just make them wear masks and stuff because a they wanted people to wear costumes and b that way they could disguise them. And then by the end of the movie, because they were shooting this sequentially somewhat and had to do tons of research uh, reshoots too, they, they kept getting better. <laughs> so by the time of the end of the movie, they were like a full-on unit. That like it didn't matter what the color or the scheme they did, they were like, they took and owned it and played as a team really well. Um, uh, he, he wanted it to be really uh, R-rated, and he made it really bloody, and he put a lot of nudity in it. He had a, a section in it. Uh, that all got taken out. In fact, the first showing of this movie was terrible. The screening went terrible. The studio didn't like it, and audiences didn't like it. And they had him cut about a half an hour's worth of content. This was shot in 2000, and it came out in 2002. 
So the next year would be another year of reshoots going back and forth trying to get this done. That night vision thing had to be they, – they didn't have the money to reshoot that, and that was a reshoot regardless. They reshot it. It was too dark, and instead of fixing it, they just put night vision over it. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, that, was, it, that, was the, that was the jaw hit the floor moment for me. I was like, wait, oof. what? Yeah, dude. What? It's like nobody had faith in this. And then finally they just they just dumped it out and it was awful. Now I think Basic is a better movie. It's small, it's a mystery. It's really interesting. It's a very it's a very good dad movie. Like um if you uh are if if your dad's had a long day outside working, he comes in, wants a drink, put on Basic. It's military, it's a mystery, good actors in it, nothing too fancy. Um he does, he's not biting off more than he can chew. And apparently that was the thing he did here. I just don't think he had good ideas. I don't think he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to focus on the sci-fi elements of the original film. I want it to be more about the um, game and have a social commentary about that. But the pro wrestling thing doesn't work when most of the original story is about kind of the football aesthetic of it. And this would make more sense if you look at how footballs run. Whereas wrestling is just, you know, way more blatant about that. And the only reason that it doesn't work here is because it was an original idea tied to football. So you can't use the same like ideas and nomenclature and roller skates and roller derby aspects and all these things that come from an entirely different movie and apply it to a type of different um, form of entertainment and think it's going to work really. But uh, yeah, none of it did well. Like, 19 million dollars it was just a, a bomb altogether um and as as a remake it's terrible i don't think any of its impressions were good there was an original script that people loved that mctuna just threw out and redid it for whatever the hell this is and people loved it man people loved the original script apparently it fits a lot of problems from the original film which i haven't seen but if you look at the spoils of the last idb trivia for this uh it explains everything that was supposed to happen in the end, which also kind of spoils the first movie, which I, I don't want to go into because I, don't really, I didn't really understand having not seen the first movie. But uh, overall, this was just not good for anyone. Like, well into before this movie was going to come out for marketing, El Okuje was like, years after it, he was like, I, it was a piece of crap. And I couldn't say it because I was promoting it. But like, it took forever to get done and it was not good. Um, yeah. And it's just it really... If this was the last McTiernan movie ever made, it would be a horribly sad ending. But luckily, Basic isn't that bad. So, um, yes, it is just so crazy that the guy who made Die Hard and Predator and Hunt for Red October and Die Hard with a Vengeance made this. Uh, it's so bad. So, here's the, here's the thing that I've been trying to like nail down mm -hmm. this movie was released in 2002 it was shot in 2000 right they started shooting in 2000 yeah the movie is set in 2005 yeah 2005 three years three years yeah this movie came out three years before it's setting now, yes, I don't know about you. That is a problem <laughs> because this whole like 
sensationalized television angle that this movie takes is like to me is very <laughs> over the top. Really? I've this never really entire, liked this premise. Dude, this entire sport runs a country. This entire sport runs a country. How does that work? So, no, 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 no. Okay, so, this, God. So, like, <laughs> it's so funny because, like, we see, like, now, like, how sports, or, like, sports teams owners, about how they abuse or take advantage of players and their health and they try to scam them out of money because so, somebody did make a somebody made a a point that i that had that gave me pause it was like like stats in like in like football this was a football analogy stats are no longer the 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 the, the analytics like it's the money it's like how much can you get out of these people while still having your legs work and play this game um like that's that was an interesting thought to me. Um, so, but like, anyway, so the so for them to purposefully like create scenarios in which because the rating is so low that only seven like they only have they have a global rating of seven. It, and a half. It was a, it was a normal. Then, it was a normal rating of like eighteen or so, and then they asked, and then they pulled off a, a move like a dangerous move that almost got some the to, the Toba move, and then it went up high. And the only reason it went to seven is because people had that high of that moment, and then weren't watching anymore because nothing dangerous was happening anymore. And they set the precedent of that addiction with their audience. So like they did something bad when the uh, when the numbers were good because people were just watching it, and then it's like, nothing bad happened after a while, and then they the numbers only went up when something bad happened. It's like they put air pistons, like they put what is what is it called when they dang it, uh, corridor just named this in one of their uh, stuntmen react videos. Um, so what they do is uh, a kicker. So it's like they put air pistons. In it's like a NASCAR. Like if they purposefully put like triggers in the cars that would make the cars flip every five minutes just to keep the people engaged. That's what we're talking about here. Except it's not NASCAR. It's not. It can't be as boring as NASCAR. There's no conceivable way that a sport like this could be as boring as NASCAR. And yet they. And they're they're purposely doing that, and so like, it's and th with the benefit of hindsight, there's no way in any realistic sense that players would be okay with this, because come on, your your alleged global rating is what, and it's at the highest that it gets is like what twenty four, right? Is a is a is is the twenty four is the highest it, it goes? I remember it being. Um, How getting these fucking numbers in the first place do they all have nielsen ratings in these homes like how do they get these numbers this is a low budget third rate country in the first place like what are right. we talking about 
if we're talking about a global rating of 20 of like 24 and you're having these games in arenas this small you've lost me okay <laughs> you're faking those numbers okay so i think we need to kind of go through this movie beginning to the end the way that we used to because really it might help it might help us get to certain things because like i'm okay, already getting on, confused me, me so first of all I don't really want to just tie into why the hell the movie opens up with uh, Chris Klein slash. By the way, they did want Keanu Reeves for this role, and immediately that was that was my next point. That was my next point. Like when when he jumps in the car with LL Cool J, which holy shit, that moment Uh, when he jumps in the car with LL Cool J, um, he is he he is totally one hundred ten percent Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Like he's wearing a sweatshirt, his hair is the same. He's like talking like he's like moving around like him he's like you know the the coach the coach i didn't like the coach so i got off the team like he's totally doing it and then later he changes it but like um yeah he's meant to be and look like keanu reeves for sure um but he's like he he, i don't i don't care i don't want to know why he's there because like four hundred dollars to like do that down the hills of san francisco fuck off like fuck off get a job Get a job, dude. Like, <laughs> if you have three months before football starts, be a server, be a bartender, slay, just slay women at a bartender. Like, just you. I don't know what, what are we doing here. Like, why are you doing? No, no, no. no. Okay, so four hundred dollars. So, let me go back to IMDb for a second because I was looking at it before we went on the air here. You want to look um, at stuff? <laughs> So, there was a, there's no synopsis, but there's a summary. Okay. And somebody, somebody by the name of Julian, I can't pronounce that last name. Somebody, so this guy wrote, Jonathan Cross, a lover of extreme sports, is recruited by Alexei Petrovich to star in his sport, to star in his sport of invention rollerball. Never got that impression. Um... Jonathan, uh, that was my personal, I, I, I never got that impression. Jonathan accepts and learns the ropes of rollerball. The players are on rollerblades trying to bring a heavy metal ball into a high goal. Thanks. Also, there are motorcyclists around to bring momentum to the players. That's why there are motorcycles. Like, I, for, I could not for the longest time figure out why there are motorcycles involved. Like, what are you doing here? In the, ori- like, in the original film, as they're going around in circles, People would grab onto the um, a motorcycle driving around with the ball to increase speed, so that they like they would have the goals. Like, imagine a big donut. Along the walls of that right. donut are the goals. So three members of a team would protect the goal in a line. And you, let's say you have the ball, and your teammate has a motorcycle. You'd grab onto the back of the motorcycle. He'd give you momentum, so you could break through that wall of people and be able to score the ball in the hole with your body, like. That's the point. It's it makes more sense that way. Here, it's an, a figure, but people can also go ahead or jump over onto ramps, and it's all extremely confusing when the goals are just in the center on either side of the ring. So there were like, why, there were establishing shots of this arena, and I still can't figure out the geometry. Like, yeah, how does any of that work? Uh, it's really confusing because there are glass walls. And I guess that's so you can see everything, but it's also just genuinely confusing altogether. Also, uh, this summary is wrong. We never see him learn the sport. It's 
LL Cool J recruits not Keanu Reeves um, and says, like, okay, I'm taking a plane out to this country about this sport that will pay you $5,000 for just, just to show up. Which, at that point, I'm like, I'm going. I'm going. We're, we're, when does the plane leave? So, um, so then he's, especially in San Fran. So, um, so then, it, then after that, we see him like he's he's kind of I guess he's homeless because then we see him in an alley. But it then cuts four months later, and he's a no, superstar. No, he's, what? He's not, he's not okay. So here, uh, he because he pulled this stunt off that legitimately like I'm watching it right now. I started the movie over, and I'm watching the thing right now. He's street losing with this guy, and. This he keeps hitting the other guy as they're losing, and he's like, "Get out of my way, man! You're not giving me room." But he's the one hitting the dude. But they eventually hit this moment where they could get a truck, but they are like, it, it would be easy for them to share a side, but the other guy doesn't want to share it with Chris Klein, so he starts pushing him to in front of the truck. Chris Klein goes under the truck and then goes back to the guy and says, "What are you trying to do? Kill me, you idiot!" And then Chris Klein pushes him in front of a car and he flings into a building and pretty much kills this guy. And then, like, uh, it, there's accidents that are caused, and they have him on camera. They they like people have him on camera. So like the cops probably stopped the people on motorcycles and figured out who he was through that process. So when all of this is done because he's gotten a ride by LL Cool J, which is impossible how that happened. How LL Cool J saw this man street losing, it's like that's the guy I used to play high school football with, huh? I should help him out of this situation right now. Like, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. But he, he then leaves LL Cool J and says, I don't want to do it. I'm going to stick in town and go pros. He goes home, and the cops are waiting at his house. And he's like, I can't go to the cops, and I can't go to the pros if I'm arrested by the cops. So he ends up going there, we know, by four months later. And then it starts the way the 70s movie starts, which is he's already a star. He's been there four months, and he's become a star. But he's also not the new guy. Rabbit is the new guy. But this is the thing that intrigues me. When he's talking to him in the car, he knows about sport. So people in the U.S. know that rollerball exists. But it's mostly a like third world country, uh, like Western Asian kind of thing. That's where it's the most popular. Um, and that's where most of the movie takes place. Uh, in fact, there's like a bunch of footage that, was, that would define the Asian country that they were in, I think you said Mongolia, and then there was the, an Arabic country they went to. They cut all that out because the studio was like, this movie's too Asian and Arabic. So there's a lot of, the reason I can't decide what's wet, what is because they cut that footage out. So, I, <laughs> I will say, some of the stunts are actually, look actually pretty, pretty gnarly. I, w- I will give them that. That some of these stunts are pretty gnarly. Like when LL Cool character goes over the goes over the glass wall, there was this. There, then the guy, then there was the guy on the longboard slamming into the building. That does look cool, yeah. Um, like some of the stunt work, to me, is actually kind of cool. Um, some, not all of it. <clears throat> I, I will give you that. I will give you that. But to me, none of it is shot necessarily well. Yes. Enough. For me to care by the time we hit the end of the movie and oh my god 
by the time we get to the end of the movie and the murder of Jean Renault is almost like the murder of Marlon. He bludgeons him with a knife. No, like like the moment he crashes through the window, it turns into the Marlon Brando death and apocalypse. Now, like the camera starts tilting and like things get in slow-mo. And he's like, kill a cow. Yeah, exactly. They kill a cow in the background. They like he starts killing him in slow mo. He's banging his head, and I'm just like, when did this turn into an art film? And I'm like, oh, it's because they just hacked all this up in the edit. And this might there's like just so many stupid things, which is like, why why is Toba? Why would they cut Toba's helmet, and, and so that it would fall off and he could get hit when the when Jonathan or I'm sorry, Jonathan. Uh, doesn't ever strap his helmet on anyway. He he loses his helmet several times in this movie, and then it comes yes. back magically through editing. It's like, knock his helmet off, man. That guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's never going to put his helmet on. <laughs> there was the guy with the puppet. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, we're in for it. Okay, so <laughs> like, that really weirded me out, because like he turns around his shoulder, and it says the thing that pisses... Um, Sergey off I think it's Sergey and uh, Sergey knocks the thing off the um, the head off and it goes flying but the, <clears throat> the sound design has the laugh go over into the audience so I was like is there a guy like sitting with the team on the bench who's like remotely talking through that thing and the speakers in the head because what like or was the guy doing it when just like maneuvering a thing with his thumb on the stick and making the mouth move? Who was the puppeteer there? Are we the puppets? I would. I was gonna say animatronic, but like, I don't think they thought that far ahead. Anyway, um... <laughs> they decision to have this. That's my point. They made the decision to have the the scream of the head go with the audience in the sound design. So somebody decided to do that. There's some interesting sound design moments, like when they're going, when the night vision scene happens and they cut the wire and it's like, doing, 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 doing. it's like, what? Are oh, we yeah. Doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so another thing that I will say as a positive, some of these masks, some of the masks that they wear on there are a lot cooler than I had anticipated them being. Like there was yes. a giant silver mask. There was whatever the helmet that they showed. Uh, that the guy's head got caved in with. That actually looked pretty cool. I agree. Um, Except for the one guy who was so big, they immediately all made fun of him and tackled him and hurt him immediately. Like, that was the dumbest helmet Um, ever. There was the... The team are crazy. There was the love interest who looked like Judge Dredd, not gonna lie. That that helmet just gave me Judge Dredd vibes. Um, Yeah. So, (laughs) oh my god. Um. Anyway, I should stop praising this movie. Um. <laughs> no, there's, there's crazy stuff about, it, but there's like, there are just I, there's one thing that I'll praise about this movie. It's di- very diverse. Yeah, like the fact that they wanted to have, um, a, a stronger Chinese bent and a stronger Arabic bent, and a lot and like all the there are characters like the people in the crew that are doing the actual TV production. They're all different, you know. Uh, ethnicities they all speak different languages and understand each other all that stuff is pretty fun and cool but like it also is extremely american like two things that i found really interesting about that when um they when the first match ends and they're all cheering to the americans they're like it's like an entire team 
of of like rich ethnic ethnicities on their team and there's even people from that country that loves that are in the mining towns which should be much bigger stars than jonathan but they're like you uncle sam's have made our team better thanks to you we're an actual team now and then he's like no like let's cheer to toba and they're like yeah sorry we were just you know we just love jerking off to you Americans. Like, Jesus Christ, like, what's going on? And then Sergei gets shot in front of his brother and in front, in front of all of his coworkers, in front of all the people who love Sergei in his country. And then they turn around and they go, Jonathan? Jonathan is the martyr? No. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? No. Not Jonathan. Sergey, you say Sir, like his brother. He was shot one, right in front of <laughs> right in front of his brother, and he's like Jonathan, and I'm like, no, Sergey, somebody look and see if Sergey's even alive. What is going on? And in, in the middle of all this, like in in the weirdest, worst, worst edited fight I've ever seen in my life of two guys on roller skates fighting each other is Chris Klein and the and the worst like heavy of the other team and they're just fighting each other while they're fighting his helmets falling off and coming back on. They're just like, it's the, it's the most incomprehensible fist fight I've ever seen. It keeps cutting to slow-mo and Klein's face is all covered in sweat. It's disgusting. It looks all weird. And they're like, Jonathan. And I'm like, no, no, that thought. What? I was like, did they just shoot that guy in broad daylight? Everybody would hit the freaking doors. They would, like bolt out of there absolutely dude they give them money they give the americans american money so that they could leave and have better lives because they have to stay for their families like no <laughs> they came here to they take they came here to benefit off the turmoil in your country they are not the heroes of this story they are worse <laughs> if not as bad and the people who are running this shit. And that, it bothers me so much. When Sergey got shot and they said Jonathan, I was like, this movie, like the only thing that he was trying to go for outside of just showing a cool, like, you know, rollerball movie was the social commentary. It was as like, as people saw more and more stuff, eventually the, there was an uprising. But like, I don't even remember the fucking country's name that this originally, like their uprising in the first place. Like, because uh, I can Okay, see, like, I, I don't even know that's real. I don't know anything about it. Like, there's no culture or anything. They yeah, don't it's a real country. <laughs> it's it's just like, I, I, none of this is clarified, especially where they are at what time when they travel to other places. And, like, I don't even remember when they get back to their home country. And at a certain point, they're like, yeah, we own this. We own all of this. This is the mind. I'm like, when did we get back? Like, it doesn't, they never established the place that the revolution is supposed to happen. And it's also fucking ridiculous. It would happen through a sport. None of that, none of that would happen if the white guy who came to your country to benefit off of your, like, just absolute turmoil and just, I don't, I don't believe it. It would be, it would be Sergei. They would be saying his name like Floyd. I just don't, he is the martyr for all of this. And they look to Jonathan as their hero. And like the, at the very end of the movie, he's like, what happened? And she's like, you're, he, what, he wakes up. And he's, she's like, he, he, she's like, you're a hero now. You're a hero to our people. You became a, you became a, like, even people. It's are, just like the Hunger Games. People are petting. This is where Suzanne Collins got it from. 
it's so crazy. And like he walks out and then he's like, what's next? And she's like, well, we need to find a doctor because you've been shot. And he's like, and then she and I'm like, she's like, and save this country. She's like, no, I'm going to fuck you. I'm going to take it to my bed. I'm going to fuck you. Free spring. End of movie. And I'm like, what? Like, you just started a revolution. And, like, all you really did was kill the ch- the top man and his second in command. Like, there are people on those teams that would have done anything for money. And that sport's going to live on because of it. You didn't change anything. You may have, like, killed the man who was the power of this. And, like, maybe you broke all of his blackmail chains. But, like... He still has all the info that allowed that power. It wasn't just because one guy gave these people power. He didn't give power to all these people and then like, I have you. No, it was blackmail. It was information. It was deals. And there are people that are wrapped in those deals. You didn't do anything, especially if you leave to just go have sex with Rebecca or Amanda Stamos. So, like, what the hell are we doing here? I would take Catwoman's story over this any day of the week. So... Can we talk about the night vision scene for a second? I kind yeah, of glossed I, over that. Here's my controversial take. I think it's the best scene of the movie. I also think it's terrible. <laughs> I think it's the best scene of the movie, and I also think it's terrible. Uh, like, I, would I, my, I will admit, I could not take my eyes off of it. Like, I was, in, I was literally in utter disbelief. It's shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> like, so... So they're they're trying to take a <laughs> they're taking a camper or a truck across an indistinguishable landscape. I didn't know if that was snow or dirt. They said dirt, but I could have. Like, if you had a gun to my head, it was snow. Um, they, they passed by camels. Yeah, they passed by camels. I'm like, that's so weird. Why are there camels in a snowy landscape? I guess they, I guess I guess they can traverse multiple biomes. I'm like, nope, they can't. Nope, that's dirt. I'm like. You gotta be kidding me! They're all—they're wearing winter clothes, right? They're L. Cool J's got a beanie on. They got like these, like these, like these thick jackets on. I'm like, okay, that's snow. That's gotta be yeah. snow. They're driving on snow. Yeah, they're cold at night, still. Yeah, but that was not. Listen, that was not like plausible with how they shot this. Anybody could have looked at that and said, "Oh, they're in a snowy environment." It's Kazakhstan, of course. So. You should know based off of where they are that it's a deserty place because right. it's mostly open desert. However, it is night vision. So what the fuck? Right, exactly. And plus, you keep and plus you um, you've alluded to several times. Most of the time, you don't know where they are. You just don't. Yes, most of the time you don't. That is true. So they're traversing this um this landscape. They're going through this road. They're uh, this road and. They're in a van, I believe. They're in a van with the motorcycle in the back. Yeah, yeah. And so what happens is that they got um, John Renault's um, car. I keep clapping because there are fruit flies in here. I apologize. Um, so they got – so they, first they come with cars, and they're like, okay, we got to escape. Let's hop in the motorcycle. Let's hop in the motorcycle out the back, and then drive that way, and then dr- then keep going that way. So they do that. So they pivot the car around, and they crash it into the cars, and then they jump out the motorcycle the other on the uh, out the other side. And so they lost them for a while, and then they come back. Okay, and then it's like they're gaining speed, man. And then it's a giant 
like C-17 military plane. And I'm like, <laughs> that escalated real quick. So they got this plane. They go off-road and like, they're like, yeah, we got it this time. They can't go off-road and the plane goes off-road and keeps chasing them. I'm like, yes, yes, this is, this is the insanity that I'm here for. So then they crash. So then they crash onto the onto a onto a road, right? No, no, no. They're getting no. The bad guys chase them as they're going onto a bridge and then start shooting rocket launchers as they try to cross the bridge to get to the border. Right. They're shooting uh, grenade launchers. Okay. Oh my god. So then they crash. <laughs> 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 Okay. They're shooting grenade launchers at them. So they crash. And then they're like, no, you go. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. And so finally, LL Cool J, because he has kids, he goes. And then Jumper knows, like, wait. So they get the sniper rifle. It's like, wait. I want to see if he makes this jump. And so he makes the jump almost non-dramatically, as, as anticlimactic as possible. And he's like, interesting. And then they gun him down, and he's dead. And... Chris Klein's reaction is just in the worst in one of the worst, if not the worst edit of the entire movie. Yep. He stands there shocked about what happens, I guess. And then he just looks forward and then immediately the cuts, it just cuts and it's overhead and he's sitting on like a guardrail on the road. He's just sitting on a guardrail. Like it is the most clumsy disgusting looking cut in night vision I've ever seen of someone mourning the death of their friend, but equally waiting for the bad guys to pick them up. <laughs> like he's waiting for a bus from school. It's so stupid. But, and then it cuts yeah. straight to him on the plane. Yeah. It's terrible. Also, can uh, okay. we talk about how violent John Renault is? Oh my God. This is okay. one violent individual. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. So, okay. Uh, but I want to stick to the night vision scene. For the first time I ever saw this, the night vision scene is shocking. I will admit, if you don't know it's coming and how long it is, it's ballsy. It's a it's a choice. And I don't care right? how it happened, but I'm like, what? I'm like, the guy who made Predator and Die Hard decided to do this. This is crazy. So that's the thing you got to get over. Once you've seen it a couple times, is in my shoes. Um, the banter between LL Cool J and Chris Klein is actually awesome. I would totally watch a movie about these two just running around the Middle East and and we and like Western Asia, just like farting around being whatever. That was like their banter's pretty fun. Like <laughs> the fact that he's like, "Hey, you remember Skylar Austin?" He's like, "Yeah, remember how he died, Rich?" I was like, "I love." <laughs> This is amazing. <laughs> they're, they're going off-road. Looks like they got an off-road plane. Like, I loved it because the movie was never doing anything before that. Like, they had a friendship, and they never thought there was anything bad about it. But, like, they never had moments like this. They never had – in like, they, they were, like, contentiously bantering in the middle of the rollerball matches. But even then, you're wondering – do they have microphones? Do they do they hear? Do they have like earpieces? How do they hear each other? Are they like saying this on the field? How are they hearing that above the fans and and like the motorcycles? 
how do they hear each other? And even then, why are they saying this to the other team at the same time? I can't understand any of this. It's so confusing. Just to try and figure out how they're communicating, you're not caring about what they're saying to each other in the first place. So just (laughs) the car chase that's like interesting looking in the first place, I was like, I'm all about this. This is great. But also, it looks terrible. It's a terrible choice. The 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 idea that they would just have a, like a motorcycle in the van and stuff like all oh, that's just so the plane none of it makes any sense and yeah there's some terrible edits that I just don't agree with um, why wouldn't LL Cool J be serpentining why would the people on the border not want them to come why are they putting up the road like they just don't want to deal with the paperwork of it I was like that's so fucking <laughs> coward. <laughs> Like, God, that's so shitty. Like, oh, my God. I just, there's so many things about that. Like, I, that night vision scene is, I could talk about that for days. I, yes. I so much to do with it. But Jean Renault's uh, sadism. I agree. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but apparently like, okay, he, so he flips he's the, out. He's the one who made the game, though, so. Right. He flips out on this guy. <laughs> Because his chan- because his because rollerball isn't on five different channels. Oh yeah. No 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 like no wait not five different channels. He's mad because he's so uh, low on the channel list. He wants to be on channels either one two three or five because those are where networks are. He wants to be like in the higher numbers. He doesn't want to be like where like if you put on your guide. You, your favorite, the channels everyone wants to go to are going to be like ABC, NBC. Those are the network channels. Like if you have to go to HBO, you have to go to channel 300 and you have to scroll through the guide. Like he doesn't want that. He wants people to just like turn on their TVs and it's there. And so that's why he's freaking out on the guy. But yes, that freak out is amazing. And if he, anybody did that in public, they would immediately have to retire as CEO of a country. That say. is hashtag cancel culture. That is hashtag you are canceled. Like, uh, Jean yeah. Renault is over. It's psychotic. Um, <laughs> there was, the funniest line. <laughs> the funniest line in this whole movie was when they were in the hospital, right? <laughs> and, and so he's like, listen, I need you. He tells, he tells um, Chris Klein. He's like, okay, listen, I'll take care of everything. I just need you to trust me, okay? Like he's on to him, being on to him at this point. Yeah. Which which we could talk about that. Um, but like the funniest line in the whole movie was like he's walking out. He's telling his uh, his, uh, his lackeys. He's like, he's like, you watch that room. If they take a shit, I want to know what it smells like. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very weird thing. <laughs> I, I paused the movie for five minutes. I was laughing so hard. That caught me, too. It reminded <laughs> me. Have you ever seen Happy Gilmore? Um, Maybe in bits and pieces. Okay, so there's this moment in Happy Gilmore where Happy Gilmore and the bad guy are having their, like, close to their final confrontation. It's the moment before it, like, the moment where they're like, we're going to fight or we're going to meet together at this place. And he's like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play golf against you. And the bad guy goes, yeah, well, get ready, son, because I, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And Happy Gilmore goes, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? And the guy goes, no, I shut up. And then he leaves. <laughs> and it's sort of like that. It's like, you want to know what his shit smells like? 
No. Um, just get on him. To tail him. <laughs> it reminds me of that line I shared when I played when I about that game that I played. Um, it was uh, it was like, like listen, I got listen. I only have two balls, and neither of them are crystal. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that one. Um, I, I the statement of him is so funny. Like the fact that like his something bad happens, like the ratings aren't working the way he wants to, and he looks at his second hand man, and he's like, "Do something about it." And he's like, "Well, I have something." And he just smacks him right in the face, and he's like, "Do something about it." And he's like. It's in the works. And I'm like, what? Why did you slap him? Like, you had no reason to slap that guy. Like, what's going on right now? But since, but like, the game is violent. Like, this whole game is intended for people to have, like, accidents in the first place, dude. It's a metal ball. People aren't on rollerblades. There's motorcycles. People are, like, like running into each other. Like, it's, it's intended for people to have gotten hurt in the first place. So, like, when people weren't getting hurt because they actually were, like, you know, trying to be good at this game, he decided to just hurt people anyway. So <laughs> just the worst character. And it so pisses me off because the bad guy in the original is so good. He is so evil. He's so, he's like, his delivery is so nuts. Like, I want this guy to be my mentor, but you can tell he's evil as fuck. And this John Renault performance is just like, does he even have a script? He's just like half of the lines he's saying is just like dialogue in the middle of the games where he's like, ha ha ha, you won't see that on NBC, you know, something like that. <laughs> right. Like, they're just like, go, Jean, run B roll, like, say what you want. Like, that's half of what, more than half of what this movie is, is just games that are incoherent to watch and barely make any sense. And it's so hard <laughs> to follow. It's wrestling announcer and he won't shut the hell up. Oh god, and he's so sexist. Like the this like oh my god, look, look guaranteed like, yeah. that guaranteed almost guaranteed that's what he's like in real life. I I wanted like is that in the script? Because he's like a terrible actor. He's like not acting well at all. Did he ask He's a great he's a great on-screen persona. Oh god. I awesome. will say that. He's pretty no, good at his job. Terrible. No, I mean is he is he good in front of a live audience and projecting yes. to a live audience at a wrestling game? Probably, yeah. But on film, no, no, no. no. I'm and so used I'm, to Paul Heyman that I I I kind of just dismissed his whole his whole presence in the film offhand, honestly. He just so, right right after he insults that woman, where he's just, not even insults, he's just like, hey, yeah, he does insult. He's like, hey, I don't understand a word you're saying, sweetheart. Um, look, I know you want my dick. It's just, you know, calm down about it. And then he takes the piece of paper and he's like, oh, this is the new script. He's a rodeo person now. And it's just exposition. If you as an actor cannot sell exposition, you're a bad actor. And in that moment, in those two lines, I was like, not only did he say something just really freaking gross and disgusting, he never gets his comeuppings for it ever in this movie. He becomes the martyr, not the martyr, but he becomes like one of the, like, the troubadour of the film. He, like, tells the audience all the things that are happening. He's supposed to be the voice of the audience, but, like, he's disgusting. He never gets any comeuppings in the riot or at all. He never gets, like, no one gets in his face. None of the women just, like, throw a drink in his face or anything. He just is like, ha, ha, that's, that's, you know, 
spark of fire revolution i gotta go guys and he just like <laughs> he gets out of his chair you don't see him get up but oh my god can we talk about the band the band how about the moment where toba gets hit and then like wait which one because <laughs> there was okay. slipknot so there was where everybody was band. walking by and just being indifferent as they're like blasting heavy metal and then there's this band in the beginning that's just like i swear ringo star was the drummer that guy looked exactly like ringo no, he didn't. I'm. I'm going to tell you that guy looked like he looked. Like, he looked like a soccer dad. He looked like a soccer dad. <laughs> the guitarist looked like Billy Joe Osmond, uh, uh, Billy o. Armstrong. The the keyboardist looked like a an Asian magician, and the bassist was a Jamaican. Uh, and then there was Steve Wozniak in there somewhere. Uh, it it was the most eclectic, interesting looking band I've ever seen in my life. And when the credits come, they all have Japanese names. So I'm like, wow, the culture in Japan, way to go. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, and then the other thing was um, that just that scene in general, just that scene in general, when Toba gets hit and he runs away screaming, just the worst scream that everyone just stops to do. Like everyone, it's the scream of silence. Everyone's like mentally challenged man just got like disfigured on tv and we never go back to toba he never we never hear from anyone anyone when anything horrible happens to anybody they're just out of the movie <laughs> they're <done. laughs> right um, but for the fact that he gets oh boy, man oh keep going keep going keep going i, I literally just well, I literally just remember he, something it's just the fact that he grabs the ball and then just starts skating around he like taps the wall and the band's not doing anything because like everyone's like sad in this moment and then he just gives them one head nod and then they just start playing these riffs and then all the other players start skating around and then the announcer's like the people don't see it <laughs> like what the hell is going on right now and it's just them getting ready to play another round of the game <laughs> it's the dumbest thing it's so dumb did we talk about how John Renault offs players. I mean, no, we haven't talked about any of the individual actual accidents, quotations that happen, but they're all... He straight up assassinates players. Oh, yeah, no, he's not even... He's not... That The game itself is meant to hurt people. The people playing the game are so good that not enough people are getting hurt for his liking, so that, yes, he just straight up fucking starts killing people. That's insane. Like, this movie is so insane. Dude, he was power hungry. He was power hungry from controlling an entire country. That's the interesting the, With the craziest sport invented by man or beast. That's why it's interesting in the 1975 version because the whole world has been taken over. And corporations have created this bloodthirst kind of thing so that people can get their anger out that they would normally use to attack their overlords. In this movie, it's just one guy who's overseen one country and used his connections with other like third world countries to take over it. And then he eventually was like, I want a sport. I want a sport that, that satiates my bloodlust. And then I will have other people addicted to bloodlust as well. And he pretty much does. And then it gets to the point it gets to the point where someone legit tries to rip someone's spine out. And then they were holding a woman down and they were going to cut off her head. That people were like, you know what? The sport might be kind of bad. You no, know, maybe, maybe the honor of the sport 
has been soiled, you guys. Can like, I get more nuts? Can I get a beer? I need, I need, I need to wash down this distaste in my mouth. Like, fuck, fuck all of these people. Fuck everyone, especially fuck uh, Jonathan. He's an American <laughs> who came in, didn't even know that he started a revolution. Like, he just. The only reason he's there was to save the woman, and he was dumb enough to think that she would be saved anyway. The moment she's on the other team, he should have just been like, guys, I'm not playing. We should just, you know, revolt now. But he doesn't. No, he plays the game anyway because he loves to murder people anyway because that's, that's what he loves to do. The beginning of the movie, he's, like, kicking a guy into a car, and it ends with him beating another man to death with a table. So he doesn't learn anything. Like, he threw that table at the guy with the gun down the stairs, and he kept the table, and then he just bashed in John Renault. No, he blocked a shotgun blast with it. And then yes, he, he immediately bashed his skull in. Like, yeah. like Joel from Last of Us 2 spoilers. Oh, dude, my God. Dude, how about the moment before then when he kicks in the window with John Renault? Right. With the ball. And I then laughed at that. Hit, it, he takes the ball and he throws it at another guy with a shotgun and knocks the shotgun out and knocks him out. The other guy next to him has already pulled out his gun and drawn it. And he is a good, legit six feet away coronavirus distance. And his gun's already out, pointed at him. Somehow, somehow, Chris Klein is able to get up from the ground and tackle this man without getting shot in the six feet it takes to do this. And they have to cut in the edit to make it look like it happened. It's awful. Legit, it's basically the guy with the gun sitting there probably being like, don't get up, don't get up. And Chris was like, I'm getting up. And then he just tackles him. I don't know what they were saying, but like they had to cut around it. It's, it's a this movie is a blessing to what like I can't believe <laughs> how bad it was this time around. We needed this man. I needed this. This is thing. This thing is a piece of shit. It's just um, like let's hold on. I think this will be the last point. Like let's talk about this revolution for a second, shall we? Because yeah. like it cuts to. Okay, so it goes from the game after the game, and then he, then he um, goes to a gym, and then there's freaking Aurora just working out alone, topless. I'm about to start that scene right now. Like, which by the way, originally was shot topless, and then in, to make it PG-13, they put black shadow over her, so that's why it looks all weird. Didn't even notice. I was like, why is she topless? That was that's the question I was asking. I was like, why is she topless? I like, mean, she 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 was mystique for years and basically was already. It's not something that's that mystique. Like, yeah, that's mystique. You didn't know. Holy that was mother! Yeah, Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Rebecca Romaine. No. Oh my god! I never. I did not. She's unrecognizable, but that's like very easy to do. She, um. Yeah. That so she was she's used to that and I'm used to that with her. It, it's so that's why it's pretty noticeable to me where I'm like, oh, that's just a that's just an added shadow. And I saw the first time I saw this was on TV, and I thought they added that in the, the TV edit, but no, it's like the legit movie. So 
Um, so, okay. So they, so they, um, have sex. And then after that, she shows him the footage of this guy getting creamed with a metal ball and possibly like brain damage for the rest of his life. Like the guy's a vegetable now. On a, on a TV, on a wall, in a sauna that not only has the feed of the game, but the feed of every TV camera that was there at the time. What the fuck? <laughs> Go on. So, with all that said, he sees that it's no good, and he's proven that it is no good, even when they go to some guy named Sergei's apartment. They go to Sergei's apartment, and yeah, Sergei's not Sergei. there. This is when his yeah. car gets lit on fire out of nowhere for, because, of the, because of the protest for the mine. That means that I was calling the guy who gets shot at the end of the movie, Sergei. I was wrong there. I forgot his name, which proves even more so that Jonathan is supposed to be remembered. So, like, that's even worse. But go on. So, um, so it's, ob- so, okay, at this point, it's kind of like, no, wait, actually, actually, never mind. This was after he had shown, shown Jean Reno the helmet. Okay. So I, I thought that came before. Either way, like, um, he's up. Oh God. Okay. So this whole revolution thing, it just kind of just comes out of nowhere. We're not like gradually like introduce. Like it's not like the Hunger Games. Okay. Like it's not like it's not like that. Where <laughs> at least we say whatever you want about those movies. It's like. Um, they, him being the catalyst, no, here's the thing. They want Jonathan to be the catalyst to the revolution. Problem is the revolution's already happening. There's already protests in the streets. They're already burning cars in, in the streets over yeah, this dude, nonsense. Or scumped into this shit. At least with the Hunger Games, it was boiling over. And then finally Katniss buries Rue and the District 11 goes up in smoke. Um, you know what? story in this movie is the same story as Michael Jordan in Space Jam. <laughs> that is, I don't know what to say. To that. That's, like, it's so like, true. Michael Jordan is dragged <laughs> into a power struggle between two warring factions into this world and forced to use sports to solve and to start and end a revolution. Okay, it's I'll exactly give you that. Exactly what happened. This guy's dragged over here because to play his sport and start a revolution for two warring factions. Like, absolutely. This movie is Space Jam. So. Okay. This. <laughs> this. Oh my god. This revolution was so. Like. I don't even know. Like. It just felt so. Like. It was already I, happening. The first and, moment I remember of like any sort of like hint that the country needed to needed help from this sport. I thought it was going to be the first time I ever watched it, and even remembering it now, I was like, I thought it was just him against the sport, and the sport itself is what's bad. But it's the moment that the first match is over, and he's walking into the building 
one of the guards that is protecting him gets some food from a vendor on the street. And instead of paying him, the guy walks away. So the vendor confronts him about it, and the guy just beats him and throws him on the ground. And Chris oh, that's Klein, what was happening. <laughs> that's just the way that you're kind of like, that's that's the way of understanding they're like, oh, these people don't care about the people of this country. And it, that's about the first sign of it. And then, yeah, when they when they leave and she they oh, my God, when, his <laughs> car, when their car gets destroyed and she takes him to the guy that she knows, Sergey, the real Sergey, when she takes him to his apartment to, like, tell him about all the stuff that she knows about this rebellion, which, by the way, we never know because Sergey dies off screen somewhere and then chris klein attacks the guy that was waiting at the apartment by breaking his arm and leg immediately like, like batman in batman v superman like that warehouse scene like that was that i was like dang that's probably sergey <laughs> it's it john wick style why is he afraid of people driving at him in a truck to ham you murder all these people with a goddamn pencil like chris klein like he cripples that man in seconds He's fucking Jason Bourne. They never come back to it. Like we never know what Sergey knows. He's just murdered off screen horrifically somehow. His 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 neck is slit and his mouth is sewn shut. So we will never know what he knew. She just instead continues to play the game. We don't know what they have on her. Uh, she just continues to play the game. Like we don't really know anything about this incredibly diverse team that they're playing with. We just know about LL Cool J and him, which again is all I really care about when it gets to the night vision scene. So um, this movie does the wrong things right when it comes to that. This movie's also fucking terrible about trying to explain whatever the hell is going on here. But the Hunger Games lays down very thick the places that are fighting for hunger. It's not like the movie that was the basis of Hunger Games in general, which is Battle Royale. They just throw you into the Battle Royale. You learn about the things as the game goes on. Hunger Games, they establish the people that need the food pretty specifically and those why there is a power struggle in the first place that caused this show and caused people to make these decisions. They don't do that here. You don't even know what country you're in most of the time. So it's really bad. Also, hold on. We're picking this thing apart, right? So Damn right. When they get off the plane and they go to the mine, right? After the mine. After the uh um So after that after El Cool J is murdered. Mm-hmm. Um which is Quite honestly, insane because he's probably the best like motorcyclist you got, and then, and then you want to win this championship, so you have him killed. I thought he was going to shoot the tire out and then just cause him to crash, which probably would have killed him anyway. But I, like, I think, I think probably my biggest problem with that scene is that they've already taken out your motorcycle with a grenade launcher, and they are already still going to try and stop you whether you make that jump or not. Serpentine, serpentine, dude. Like, right. don't drive in a straight line. Like, go make that shit weebly wobbly. Don't let them, don't make it easy on that guy. Don't drive in a straight line. And exactly what he did. And he's dead. Dead L. LL dead K. So, this guy, this Jonathan guy, right? Jonathan. Jonathan, whatever. 
he here's his entire spiel about how Jean Renault doesn't have to owe, doesn't have to become like a politician because or doesn't have to doesn't have to be a be in a position of power because he owns the people who are in those positions. Um and so he's like, okay. So Jonathan realizes, okay, I got leverage. I, I got I've got sorry, leverage. Oh god, sorry. Uh, I do it too, but I thought it was yeah, I do that too, but I just thought that was an interesting one. Leverage. I'm, yeah, I'm Frank Leverage. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> it's become the talk of the town at a church because my friend has, uh, had just seen all those movies all the way through for the first time, and I was kind of like like processing it, helping him process it. I anyway. The, I love talk of the town at this church is a movie. <laughs> well, it's among, among our circle, among our little... Um, so he's like, okay, I have leverage. I can negotiate because he needs me to win this championship. So what I'm going to do is, okay, I want, I want like a massive chunk of your revenue. Not like, not just the hundred thousand. I want stock. Um, and he's like, okay, sure. And then this idiot he's he wants aurora traded not not like okay he says he he's like he wants her out of there he's like he's like listen just don't kill her just trade her it's like You're i'm sure she's well here's yeah. an interesting thing to that in the first 20 minutes of the 1975 one after the first match that they play you don't know uh-huh. anything about the world he comes you he comes home to a woman who's been waiting for him and she says, I got an envelope that tells me I'm supposed to leave and go somewhere else. Was this you? And it says yes. And it turns out that's a process that he's been accustomed to as the star there. He's in the in that movie, he's been a star for 10 years. So he's been used to getting women and then telling them through the company that they should leave by literally giving them like a pink slip. So that's an ode, I think, to that moment in that process that he could be like, hey, could you just, you know, send that girl away from me, just like they do in that movie. But no, here's the thing. I think it reveals his cards. So here's the thing, though. John Renault is the antagonist, as I, ha- as I have pertained. <clears throat> so far. He tells the guy that, and we already know, the, line, the, the battle lines have been drawn between these two. And he asks for his love interest to be traded. So Jean Renault immediately says, "Trade them to the opponents that they have that they have uh, uh, for the uh, for the uh, the championship. Trade trade them to the trade them to the opposing team." Yeah, so they could possibly both be killed, or she could. This freaking moron did not see that coming. Well, that's the point. They say it literally right after he leaves. He goes, he calls him on it with his, um, and that's the thing. Jean Renault is a sadist. He just wants, he wants his bloodthirst satiated at this point. He's not um, uh, uh, social. He does not have demeanor. He, ha- he does not have manners. He's not classy. He's not a Hannibal actor. If a guy doesn't give him the number he wants on his, of the channel that he wants, he's going to threaten that guy with a gun in front of him. He's like a crime boss. He threatened where, him with a gun! Whereas, like, his second-in-command is a 
He's like a um, a Marlon Brando. He's a. I he's forgot a about the gun. And everybody just like. Yeah, dude. He'd let the everyone just let that shit slide. Like that's crazy. He pulls out a gun. He's like, I'm gonna kill you and your whole family. He's gonna kill your whole family. Like, it's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the, the second second hand man who is as Zach would want to point out, Saeed from Lost. He's a very good actor. He's also in Planet Terror. I'm a big fan. Uh, those movies and um he is more evil because he's more sociable he's got demeanor he's like watching him and being like maybe we should you know pull back this is this is hurting our brand we need to be more careful but he's also way more evil about it he's letting jean renault um uh burn himself out and get himself sort of murdered by i'm watching the slipknot performance and you're right people are just walking by this 12 person band it's supposed to work crowds of like thousands. This is ridiculous. Oh god! <laughs> right next to them, they're selling T-shirts for rollerball. This is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I this movie is fucking crazy. I can slip not confuse me. Um, yeah. So oh my gosh. So aside from. Like, like, I totally forgot that the man threatened him with a gun and threatened to kill his entire family. Like, over because he wasn't in the right, he wasn't on the right channels. Because, like, oh my god, it's ridiculous, <laughs> so crazy. It's that kind of insanity that I was that I was here for when we spun it. I was like, okay, this better be freaking crazy, and boy, did I get crazy. <laughs> I got exactly what I wanted out of this too. It's no good. Uh it's terrible. I mean, I but it's it's like what happened? Like the right. direct, like the like eventually they were going to remake Rollerball. It was going to happen, but they made all the director who's so good in so many other like genres and, and experience of action made all the wrong decisions about the thematics of what this movie should be and what you're supposed to entertain your audience with, that it just doesn't work, any of it. And then because they kept having to go back and reshoot it and change it into something else, uh, it, it just looks like a hacked-up mess. Like, it's just awful. It's awful. So, yeah. Um, there you go, everyone. Uh, rollerball. We gotta grade this thing. Um... I unless there's anything else you want to bring up. Because I think I'm pretty exhausted. Not really. I don't... I can't think of anything. You mentioned the stunts. Um, also, a gun went off at the club, and everybody's just like, there's another Tuesday night. Several country. I don't understand it, because, like, they get they get to like the place and there's like all these people in like third world country clothes, but then when they drive away, it looks like the the streets of L.A. It's like the, it's so crazy. I don't this understand. Was, how no, this is what this is the thought. This okay. I just had a thought. I had a thought when I was watching this, and when that move when that scene was happening, I'm like, okay, so Fast and Furious, right? Now yeah. it's like if you if you okay, so if Fast and Furious became an anime, right? Stay with me. Stay with me. They, they made a if Fast and Furious. Yes. If Fast and Furious became an anime, this is the episode where the stereo- okay the stereotypical episode where the main characters have to are in this composition or like something 
they have to get something. And narratively, this sport of rollerball is the only thing that could get them there. And they just happened to start a revolution on top of that. Like, if you yeah. inserted Vin Diesel and Tyrese, Tyrese Gibson and Michelle Rodriguez and all and Jason Statham and The Rock, you throw all these guys in this movie and it's already an instant hit. It's like, if they got them to play rollerball, oh my god. This is what I really want. Honestly. Like, man, I was getting Fast and Furious vibes when they were getting into those cars. I'm like, this is what? like Fast and Furious level stuff. Well, like, Fast and Furious had come out around this time, and it was a hit. So that they were probably going off of that for sure. Um, but I would love, more than anything, if they had made a combination of the original Rollerball and Any Given Sunday by Oliver Stone. If that's what this <laughs> movie was, I would have loved it. Just Al Pacino being the coach of this team, Jamie Foxx running around like, oh, my God. God, Cameron D is killing it. I would have loved a any given Sunday style rollerball movie. I would have loved it more than anything. Oliver Stone should have remade Rollerball on 110. percent um, Outside of that, this movie is a honking misunderstanding of the original one. Piece of shit. Like I don't, but like Chris Klein is bad in a lot of the decisions he makes here, but he's not like the reason this is bad. There are so many things that are bad about this. He's like, whatever. You know, he's not... He's, I, I, I don't think he's a very good lead, but I think they've hit it right with him being, like, kind of an asshole who is aggressive. I think that stuff kind of works here. But I also thought he was a good buddy to LL Cool J. I think I would have watched... if the, Like, if Chris Klein replaced, um, who like, Chris O'Donnell on CSI Miami, I would watch that shit. That'd be cool with it. Uh, but we didn't get that. We stuck on our night vision scene. Um, if I'm going to grade it, though, <sighs> I mean, there are a lot of good stunts. There is a lot of interesting production design. And, you know, Ella Cool J is fine, and Rebecca Romain Stamos is fine. Um, I think the stunt work is really the only redeeming factor of this entire movie. Um, I really don't see myself running back to this a lot either. Um, I'm glad we did it on the wheel. I don't think I'm going to come back to it again unless somebody's like, I really want to watch God, it. God, no. Or if it's on a podcast. I do think it's interesting in how bad it is, but it's also not entertaining in how bad it is. It's mostly just like embarrassing and confusing. Um, and as f that's only funny so many times. So if I was with a group of people, I think I would enjoy this. On my own, I think I've seen it enough to get what I want out of it. Um, as a McTiernan film, I can't think of many moments that make me think that, like, he's that. I mean, he does a lot of zooms, like in-camera zooms that are interesting. Yeah. He does a lot of rack focuses that I'm impressed by, like when they deliver the flowers and like. She doesn't want him to move in uh, out of the view of the flowers, or they'll notice the other guy. So she's like uh, standing there waiting for uh, Jean Renault to pass by and get in the car. The rack focusing there is really good, but a lot of this is just shaky cam action bullshit. It looks terrible, and this is before Born. It's just terrible. Um, and then I think there are moments where like people, where like again when he sees the guy in the vendor fight, 
or when the people in the control room are looking at each other and like re- reacting to the uh, horrible things around them. It's a lot of good visual storytelling, but overall, there aren't many moments like that. It, there's no moment in here that I would like see on a Patrick H. Wellen. Patrick H. Wellen just did two episodes on John McTiernan in, in general, so I, I don't think he would make anything on a moment in this film. There's nothing in this that I think is deserving of like this is a John McTiernan moment. I can't think of much, honestly. It's all really embarrassing. And it's just because it's just they had to go back and reshoot so much and hack it up that it, there's barely anything of like an actual idea here. Um, and the sport itself is so confusing that it's just not worth it. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't give it a grade. Uh, D, D. I think this is a D, maybe a D plus. I can't. I don't think this is enjoyable at all. Like, I don't think. It, I don't think it succeeds in much uh, of to do. And I would give it a D for that reason. I've seen other. It's not bad looking. There are some things that kind of look good. It's really thing. no good, but that's mainly why it's so much fun. Mm. Like I was like. But it's like a meh. For me, uh, this is tough. Like, this is just bad. And... (laughs) And that ending, coming off the heels of Apocalypse Now, there are some serious parallels. Um, Visually. Yeah. It gets, like, really artsy at the end of this because there's no other... Like, if we were to... If you were to mute it and rewatch that ending again to the doors then I think it would look the exact same thing. Totally. But there was something like entertaining about how bad it was to me. For the first time, yes. And certainly for me, and that's why I put it on the wheel. But like, that, I think I've seen it enough times to be like, uh, the fart rock, the slipknot, the action, just... At, there's very little at a certain point that I get back to. There, there. I'm starting to realize that they're like there are movies, super bad movies that I would return to because they're entertainingly bad. I think this movie is a bit draining after a while. So, I'm gonna go D minus. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I'm going D. That think- night vision scene is just jaw-dropping it's bonkers i'm watching it right now it's bonkers and remember squeak harris of course i remember squeak harris you remember how he died ridley (laughs) that is (laughs) literally an exchange from the night vision scene who the hell is squeak harris (laughs) i will now they're gonna do a spinoff movie yeah oh i'm using that i'm using that now I will use that. Like if I if if I die and you get a letter from Squeak Harris, you know what happens. So there you go, everybody. Um, Glad I put it on. That that was fun. Rollerball, really directed bad. by John McTiernan. Hmm. Sadly. So before we spin, there are two bits of news that we actually have missed. Michelle Rodriguez said that Fast and Furious is indeed going to space in the next movie. That's right. I thought it was 
a hint that she made, and I wasn't sure if it was an actual confirmation. Um, let me, uh, hang on, let me, uh, I, I feel like I, I feel like I heard it was a slip, that it was like an accidental confirmation that, that it happened and she was like, I wasn't supposed to say it. But I think the real big question is, is it in nine or is it in 10? Is it in nine already? Or is it in 10? It's nine all about the return of Han. And okay. So this is from deadline. This is deadline. Michelle yeah. Rodriguez gets female writer hired for next fast and furious and confirms space scene. No, this was not a slip. This was deliberate. Okay, then then ten. It looks like it's in ten. No, this is this is confirms Fast Nine will be in space. So she got okay. So she's saying that she got a female writer for the next film, comma, and there is a space scene in the next film. Yes. I I guess I'd have to look and see if there's a female writer for Fast Nine. I haven't seen. Yeah, interesting. Well, um, Charlize Theron, her in the last movie had a had her headquarters in a plane, so maybe that'll happen again. There's a lot. She of has a Death Star. Oh my God, Alex! I want Vin Diesel to drive his car on a Death Star. Okay, I want the moon to be a super laser that's pointed directly at the Earth, full on Roger Moore old school Bond. Okay, I, I want I, crazy. I'd love it if there was like a smash cut to the Death Star with the music, and then it like pans and you see like the Millennium Falcon, and then right next to it is a Dodge Charger. So here's the funny thing. Um, Family. Um, here's the funny thing. Okay, so in Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 for the GameCube, um, there's a cheat code. I'm still watching this shitty movie. Sorry. It's off. We're done with it. There's a... Uh, there's a cheat... There's a cheat code. And you can... Um, pilot... So it's, it's a flight simulator. So it's basically... It's like a flight simulator. Okay. And there's a cheat code... Where... You can... Fly... In space... George Lucas's 1968 Buick Electra. Uh, I wonder if that's the same car that's in American Graffiti. I don't remember. Oh, it shit. probably is. I think I see what your second thing is going to be. Holy crap. Okay. Breaking news, everyone. As we yeah, transition okay. over, new trailer for Marvel Studios' WandaVision. Yeah. Holy crap. Are you seeing this? I'm see I'm on YouTube and like I'm seeing the preview that you would see in a YouTube thing. So it's like a couple. I'm of seeing it on Twitter. Up. Twitter's blown. If apparently it aired on the Emmys. I can. Um, well, that makes sense. The Emmys would be the time you'd want to air TV trailers. Um, I'm on YouTube and it's already on YouTube. Um, uh, so I could hit play and watch it right now if I wanted to. This isn't. This looks nuts. I'm not gonna lie. This looks um, all over the place. I'm glad because they're both they're both not superheroes. They both have crazy, like not fully explained powers yet. But it seems like her. I thought I got this view from the trailer that she connects. I feel like she's connecting with Vision in all these different sort of places somehow, and that's how she's connecting with him. Um, that's the that's the evolution of her power. Well, I mean, Mind Stone, right? They're both from the right. Mind. Stone. 
So I no, they're like... not both in the Mind Stone. Um, Wanda's both? Wanda's free. Remember? What do you mean? No, she's no, like, she's no longer like dust. Like she came back. Like she's no, not no, in I'm the Mind Stone. Talking about how they got their powers. They got them. They both got them from the same stone. Correct. I think so. No, they had the Tesseract, didn't they? No, but no. She and her brother had the Scepter used to create powers on them. And then when the Scepter was destroyed, that stone became the headpiece for Vision. They both are oh, from the Oh, right, 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 right. So if it's the Mind Stone, because that was used to control people, maybe she's able to see and connect with him in her mind. And all these in the cur- in, in current time. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. I don't know. I just watched the trailer on Mutant. Yeah, it's like all these different TV things. But then there's I want to know how the, all those different versions, like where all of that comes from within this context. I'm thinking her head. Either that or a TV. A specific, she's using it like specifically in a TV because it's the Mind Stone. And then, yeah, it's like TV different. There's a, there's a movie called Stay Tuned from the 90s, I believe. And it's about the devil it's testing people with a TV satellite that gives them the opportunity to watch whatever they want. Then it sucks them into the TV, and then they constantly go through channels trying not to die. That's and an episode of Teen Titans, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, it's an interesting movie. My sister just watched it again. I haven't seen it in years, but it's really great um, in a lot of ways. Just And it reminds me of this, um, how, like maybe she is able to see him in this way and then they're able to change the channels and be whatever kind of show they want. But then it also sometimes seems like he can go in the real world. Maybe he can like pause things and unpause people. I don't know. The so here's the thing. So, without any sound, it's interesting. So here's the thing. Who's the, who, so then we don't know how much time has passed between Wandav- between Endgame and WandaVision. So who's really trapped? Is it Wanda who's trapped and Vision's trying to get her out? Or is it Wanda who's trying to get Vision out? I would think it's probably Wanda trying to get Vision out because Wanda's alive and Vision was destroyed by uh, the stone getting ripped out of his head. Right. Like his body, my guess is his body is somewhere. Maybe his body is connected to some sort of computer. And again, guys... We're all talking about something that we haven't heard, but are just looking at. Maybe they explained some of these things in the trailer. Right. I don't know. But um, it, there's a possibility that his body has been saved. They've been working on it, maybe in Wakanda, maybe uh, at uh, Avengers Place. And whatever it's connected into, she's been able to connect to it. But it because it's the Mind Stone, my guess is it's a mind thing. But I can't tell what's real and what's not. Because at a certain point, they themselves in the trailer officially start to add color and change the look of their world so maybe whatever world this is is getting affected by them like pleasantville pleasantville is another movie where people get sucked into a tv and affect the world that they're in um Interesting. this looks really fun it actually does look pretty fun it's got me guessing and i'm really curious to see how this is pulled off mm-hmm. um still waiting to hear also this is coming out this year so Good, good, good. I, and I'm glad Elizabeth Olsen is great. I do think that the age difference between them is a little bit weird for me. I always thought that romance was a little weird. I, like, Paul, like, Paul Bettany is a lot older than her. Um, but I also understand that within the realm of the film, 
he was kind of just born a couple years ago. So <laughs> she's yeah. the one Robin. She's the one Robin. They're both Everybody's they're talking both... about how like Sharon Carter and Ka- and uh, Steve Rogers were kissing in mm-hmm. Civil War, which nobody's ever going to forget, even as much as they'd like you to. But well, I think they were going to do more with Sharon Carter than they thought, and she like like Daniel Bruhl and like um, the Leaper have all been designated to uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Falcon. So, yeah, again, this does look interesting. Um, so we will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get on that. Um, so now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we've got a we've got we've got a good wheel to spin. Finally, got a good wheel with good stuff on the good wheel. We're gonna spin it. <laughs> Let me just pull up the note that I keep all the wheels on. All right, and then I get the actual wheel ready. Actual wheels, because we have to decide. What we replace it with. I do not have a pick, so you go ahead. I'm going to think about this. Okay. So, Chris was talking about um, Spirited Away, the differences between Spirited Away and Do the Right Thing. And I no, did Zach. Not... That was Zach. Zach. Not was. me. You, you're, you're Chris. Sorry. I was thinking. Because <laughs> we kept saying Chris Klein, I kept talking about a different Chris. I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about uh, I would say um, having seen Do the Right Thing again I do think that's a really good choice I kind of want to make my choice but I'm also um, a, little bit, a little bit hesitant and he was also thinking Spirited Away and him and I were talking about um, Well, Spirited Away is his pick so uh, the, he hasn't changed it so yeah that is technically I told him not pick. to um, that's fine I won't fight it. I will not fight it. Um, I was thinking Hugo a little bit. Hugo? Yeah. Uh, Scorsese? I think... Our first Scorsese film? You wanted to be Hugo? Well, that's not our first Scorsese film on the wheels. In fact, I think on the good wheel is um, Gangs of New York. We may land on that today. Um, oh, yeah, that's on there. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, see, Gangs of New York is the one I would really love for you to see. But I've also been thinking about possibly picking something um, not necessarily scary, but something maybe a little bit more fun. And I've seen it enough to know uh, that I can't necessarily say that it's a curiosity for me. And that's uh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yes, Poltergeist, I think, is a Spielbergian horror film where it's just as, like, for every moment that you might get scared in it, there's also a moment of levity or fun or adventure to it. The music, I think, is John Williams again. He Spielberg did not direct it, but Toby Hooper did, and he's done a lot of horror. But um, there have been contentious, uh, not contentious, but confusing and conflicting stories about who actually had a hand in the film the most. It's a very Spielbergian film, but Toby Hooper is the one with the credit for a director on it. Um, and it's also a lot of fun. It's a horror film that does scare me, but it's also not like 
it's not like an insidious or a conjuring where everything is like dark and dreary and stuff. It's more, it's more like, Hey man, let's get, let's have fun and get scared. Come on, everyone. Come on. I'm going to tell you a spooky story. Let's do it. Like, it's more like that. And uh, we don't really have a lot of those. And then the other thing I was thinking was, uh, fuck it. Let's just go down the rabbit hole and silence of the lambs. That shit. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, Coming off Apocalypse Now? Silence of the Lambs is more like an episode of, like, Criminal Minds or SVU. Okay. You do go down to darkness and you do, like, have to, like, hang around serial serial killers and stuff. But the intent of the film is not the world's – it's not Seven. Seven is more like that. If I, if the, like you want to go like the dark and dreary route of a crime, that's seven. Like, there's no hope in at, by the end of that film. Like, forget it. God's dead. No, this is more like um, a combination of like, what if you put mad, what if you put like legitimate horror villains in a thriller, in a cop thriller, in a police procedure? You know, what if this cop is trying to solve a mystery, but the person they're trying to find is like a legit like serial killer kind of a thing um so it's kind of between those two for me i gotta think but i'm also i may the other thing was um shawshank got it what's up I literally just remembered that I bought this at the thrift store a while back. Uh, The Rundown. Ah. Stop, wait. That's a curiosity for me because I haven't haven't seen it. So I don't know if I put this on the curiosity wheel or or they're a good wheel. I would like you to put it on the curiosity wheel. Okay. I think that's a great curiosity for you. Then I'll say that. Let me go to the backlog then. But I I will say this. I do think it's a good movie. Go to the backlog. Yeah, maybe I might find something on there. But have you seen uh, Shawshank yet? I have not. Oh, okay. That's a big one up there. We'll do backlog, and then that may be the one I pick. Okay, so on the good backlog, The Aviator. Got to do gangs first. Um, Black Hawk Down. All you. Yeah. That would be that would be the first Ridley Scott movie we do, uh, if we pick that. Um. If, that ever, if we ever landed on that before we got to Alien. Anyway, uh, The Social Network. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, you know what? I think I know it. Okay. Um, anyway, I'll keep going. I, I, I looked further down the list. Okay. Uh, Bumblebee. Uh, tuna. <laughs> oh, 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 Ace Ventura. Uh, that's creeping back into my heart now. Um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. Titanic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. A movie that landed back on my radar. Drive. Okay. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. Actually, oh god. Okay, I'm now I'm getting conflicted. Okay, um, 310 to Yuma. Oh yeah. Schindler's List. Uh A League of Their Own. Uh, a League of Their Own. Um, Silver Linings Playbook, mm-hmm. Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. Gladiator, mm-hmm. 
Django Unchained. Dang it. I've caught between three now. Um, the Holy Grail. Monty Python's The Holy Grail. Got it. Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. Do the Right Thing is actually on the backlog, funny enough. I know. I put it there. Uh, Blue Velvet. <sighs> and The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Whew. Okay. I'm stuck between three. Ugh. Which were the three you were thinking? Okay, so when I Django. first came across, when I first came across it, I was like, "What if I picked Bumblebee? That way we can close out the Transformers until the next movie comes out." I hear it's good. Then, um, Corridor Crew has a series of videos where they bring on stuntmen and stunt women to react to different movies and Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon came up. And I was like, okay, I'm actually digging this. Let I'm actually digging this. What what I saw. And then so now I'm running uh helping run video like online services for my church and our uh our uh video producer Jesse he can't decide which one is his favorite movie, The Dark Knight or Django Unchained. And I told him I had not seen Django, Django yet. So that's why I'm stuck between three of, the, of these three movies. I know which one's the, the weakest link, and that's Bumblebee. But... Um, I, I think, having not seen Bumblebee, I can't say whether it's weaker than the other two, but Crouching Tiger is beautiful, and it did set um, a standard for a lot of things. Also, you haven't really spent much more time with Ang Lee, which would be interesting. I think he's a very interesting guy to talk about. But uh, the best on the list is Django, for sure. Um, uh, If I had to choose between which film that I would want to keep and on a desert island, Django or Dark Knight, Django has the ability to say that it's a story beginning to end, whereas Dark Knight, we know that there's... Of beginning to Bruce, and we know that there's an end to him as well. But the best story is by far um, uh, the middle. And there are things better than the Joker, but if I had the Desert Island Man, Django, for sure. There's so much to Django. It's so good. Um, it's, and I don't think we have any other Tarantino on that list. That would be the we one. Have not, could... We have not had a Jan- We have not had a Tarantino movie since. <clears throat> Pulp, God, I believe since Pulp Fiction, yeah. So I would and say I, Kill Bill did not make any of the did not make any of the backlog. Um, I if we do Kill Bill, I would view it as one film and not necessarily two. Um, and it can't be in series for that reason too, unless he makes the third one, which I don't think he will. Uh, Django, I would pick before Inglorious. I think Django gets you ready for Inglorious. I think Inglorious is weirder and better, and its script is so. So tight, but Inglorious came before Django. Uh, but I think you personally would love Django more. Django, I think, would get you so good. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't like Django. I think you'd have the same maybe arguments and complaints other people would, but you'd love it like everyone else. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. And Two I would first forty-five minutes. Should have seen that coming. <laughs> oh, it doesn't feel like it, dude. It doesn't. It's one of the. It's one of the fastest three hours around. In fact. He's been he's been uh, pushing the idea of making a longer version and putting it on Netflix, which everyone wants. 
Uh, uh, I'm going a league of their own. Really? League of their own? Yes, it just reminded After the ones you just listed. <laughs> I mean, there's so many th- ones. There's so many reasons why I wanted those ones, and those are great. But also, we haven't had a female-driven movie by a female director with female writers with the added cherry on top of Tom Hanks in a while. It's a great movie, and um, I think you'd really enjoy it. Now, I know that Ang Lee directed it, and it's more of a love story, but Crutch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Michelle Yeoh, from what I hear, really just oh god uh, ties it all together and just anchors that thing like she's solid. Super Cop is amazing. She drives a motorcycle on a moving train. That's another one I want. That's another one I want. But that's the series, and you need to watch the series. Dang it! Also, they so they reacted to the to a scene from Police Story where they're crashing through this giant, like they're crashing through this whole elaborate small village and i was just like okay i need to see more jackie chan because that that looks <laughs> i need to see more jackie chan oh yeah they not only do they do that they ripped it off and put it in bad boys too they could and then they mentioned that exact scene when they were asked how would you do this in america and they said smaller sets more con- like more contained and more momentary instead of just like having just having it all in one massive take and that's exactly what. Then they queued up Bad Boys too, and so it's like that's exactly what they that's ex, they did exactly that. Um, yeah, so much better in Police Story. Yes, so, much better. It looks so much cooler. I, I, Police Story is amazing. That's why I want you to see the whole series. Like Super Cop is amazing, but the first Police okay. Story zone is crazy. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to. Put these three options on there, and I'm gonna pick whatever the wheel, whatever the wheel says. Because I literally am stuck. So we're doing three wheels: one for you, one for this, and then one for the choice of the night. <laughs> yeah. Dig it, dig it. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm. I really want a feel-good story again, and Bumblebee. I feel Bumblebee's there for that reason too. Tuna. Bumblebee, tuna. That's why I picked a League of Their Own. That's a very, it's a very good movie. Feel good movie. Okay. So, high wheel changes. All right, between Bumblebee, Django Unchained, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, this is the one I will. Whatever the wheel says, I'm gonna put on there. Okay. So I just spun it. And oh my God, it's Bumblebee. <laughs> so I guess I'm picking Bumblebee. All right. So we got a league. Of their own. Yep, Bumblebee. And then we got Spirited Away for Zach. Even though the odds of him be actually being on that episode are really low. <laughs> like it. Um, okay, so the this is for the one that we are going to replace with whatever we choose tonight. Yes. So between Bumblebee, Spirited Away, and A League of Their Own, Spin. It's a league of their own. <laughs> nice. Okay. It's a really good movie, man. Uh, it's about... Um, we actually uh, knocked one off the backlog. We did. I like it. Well, oh, dang, I- we, oh, dang, we added one, too. Dang it. 
I was I was gonna get I was gonna cheer. I was like, we knocked one off the backlog without adding another one. But now we got I gotta add spirited away. Instead of going two instead of going one step forward, two steps back, we went one step forward, one step back. So we're right. learning. We're learning. <laughs> we are learning. We're uh, almost getting there. So uh a League of Their Own in World War Two when all the men go to fight. Yep. They continue the professional baseball league, but they need women. So the scouts go out looking for women. They create an entire league, and then you follow one particular team, uh, uh, specifically through two sisters, one who's amazing, and the other one's, like, really good. And Tom Hanks is their manager, who's, like, a massive, disgusting drunk. So, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. It's, like... That's the it's one. a perfect, the perfect sports movie, and it's also Penny Marshall, which will get you into movies like Big. So uh, she was, uh, she was very good with Tom Hanks. All right. So on the good wheel, as it stands, we got, Just as stand. always, Looper. Okay. Clueless. Road to Perdition. Yes, Clueless Road to Perdition. This is fun. Road to Perdition is dark. The Fifth Element. Oh my god, that's right. That's a fun movie. Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah. This would be the perfect time for Goodwill Hunting. It's one of the best fall movies around. Heat. Ah yes, she wanted to see Heat. Great movie. Uh, De Niro and Pacino finally on state on screen together in a room. Troll Hunter. Uh, Zach's pick in something I've been very uh, interested in watching too. That director is going to go make something big. I don't remember what it was. Also, Zach's pick, Summer Wars. Um, a favorite writer of mine just wrote a piece on this. We were talking about anime, like his Spirited Away choice, just him wanting for me to watch more anime in general. And I agree. La- Labyrinth. Uh, yes, Labyrinth. I've seen it a lot. I've talked about it a lot. Um, I'd, lo- I'd love for you to see this. I'd love to talk about Jim Henson. Jim Henson's amazing. Uh, Gangs of New York. I just watched this again with Peter. I would love to watch it again. I'd love for you to see it. I'm actually... Yeah, I would watch this again for sure. Minority Report. Uh, my mom really loves this movie. I know you put it on there. It's another Spielberg. Um, I, I always have had a problem with how this movie looks, but I remember a lot of its set pieces, which is why I think it's better than most. <laughs> my mom, not my mom. My dad was watching it on Showtime, and I was watching it. I'm like, I still question its presence on the good wheel. I think it's more of a curiosity, but then I felt slightly better after watching that opening sequence. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm okay with this. I'm okay. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it on I there. Think, I think it got on the goodwill before we did curiosity, and it just stayed on good. And yes, it is a good movie. I think there are things that make it a little bit weaker, but also, uh, its set pieces are great, and it's Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg. You can't go wrong. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, that's right. A romantic comedy based in a culture that doesn't get so much spotlight as every other culture. 
The Rock. Oh, I gotta, I'm got i going to be watching this again with my sister this weekend. That would be very timely. The Nice Guys. Finish last, and you run out of gas. You're so fucking fat, you might break your spine. And finally, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh my gosh. I always forget it's on the list, and I always can't wait to watch it. I am legit excited. <laughs> this is why I like spinning the wheels. This is this is there's some on there that are okay, and then there's a few on there that I love and for completely forgot about. So there's nothing on here that I like don't want to watch necessarily. Okay, you ready? I'm about to spin it. For our next our next movie on the show. Three, two, one, spin. <gasps> oh! Ooh. <laughs> oh, baby. This one is a rocker. The next movie, ladies and gentlemen, that we will be reviewing on the Meister Movie Podcast. Clueless. Oh, oh my God, dude. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Okay, okay, man. This is going to be great. This is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Wow, okay. All right. It has been on the wheel, I think, since day one, if I'm no, not mistaken. I don't think so. I think we, I think it's pretty close. It was one of the first. It was the first real one where we like were like we need a, a female movie on here by a female director. It, it was one of the first ones we decided to do that, but it wasn't the first ones out of okay. gate. Okay. But I think it was certainly before the curiosity, well before then. But yes. it was the it, yeah, it was the first one that because like Zach and I were like we need something on here, so Zach was around by then. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so this is about. This is, uh, this is a movie by Amy Heckerling. She um, had already made a classic comedy by this point. Um, uh, stars Elisa Silverstone, made her star. Uh, has Brittany Murphy in it. Um, broke her out. Um, R.I.P. Brittany Murphy. Um, it is filled with celebrities, dude. There are, like, there's a great cast here. Um, it's, like, music from my era. Um, oh, my but God. It's about... It's, um, about uh, a girl who um, takes—it's I, I guess I guess the best thing, way to put it is that it's about a a rich girl in Beverly Hills who's just trying a rich sixteen-year-old girl in Beverly Hills who's just trying to like better herself and better people around her, both like in many different ways, like in her life romantically. It's more romantic than anything else, but it's mostly like how can she make the people in her life around her better. And therefore make herself better. Um, but really, more than anything, it's just like you spend a school year with like a bunch of rich kids in Beverly Hills, and it's fun. It's funny. It's like it's a it's a, a retelling of the book Emma, uh, the novel Emma, which they just made a version of with I think wow L. another ninety minute movie. Oh, it's a solid back to back. In and out. 
it's not that long it's really fun it um it's going to be very dated for you for me this is nostalgia i watched this when it came out on video i watched it when it was on tv all the time i can relay this video in my this head this does not look dated at all i still think people wear these clothes well, I think people wear these wear the clothes that happened then because decades go by twenty. So in the two thousands, everybody was about the eighties, and that led into the twenty tens, and then the twenty tens and started going into the nineties. So the nineties are becoming big now, and all the stuff that was like popular then is coming back. So that's going to be, and then like in the aughts, it'll get more blended and weird, and yeah. But like, uh, the this movie is really fun. It's really fun. Um, it's just a comedy. So the now, two like, names that come to mind automatically is Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rudd. Um, Paul Rudd looks pretty much the exact same. He has not aged a day. Like, seriously. What is up with that? It's crazy. And then he got um, abs, which made him look younger. Yeah. Uh, he, it's let's this oh god there's so many people dude reckon uh, Meyer oh god so many people um it this um this was a phenomenon when it came out it started a TV show and um Alicia Silverstone would end up being like Batman and Robin yep but a lot of people like gave her crap for her weight and then she would be in a string of failures and then just never really came back after a while and then. She was in a few shows. She was in another movie by Amy Heckling about vampires recently, I think called Vamps. Um, Amy, Amy Heckling has not had a, a big movie in a long time, too. Um, and it was also part of the movement in the 90s of taking literature and making big films out of it. There was a period where they were like making Bram Stoker's Dracula and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Romeo plus Juliet and a bunch of Shakespeare covers and 10 things I hate about you. And there's, there's a lot of literature being made into modern cinema in the nineties that they just were going crazy with. And this was a huge success. This was a big successful one. It's a lot of fun, man. It's just a quick 90 minute comedy. Like we're basically just going to sit and talk about how much fun it is. And I'll tell you about Amy Heckerling. That's it. Like, I, I don't know. I, there's nothing to be too critical about. It's just you're going to watch a, a a film that's a classic, just a classic comedy, good-hearted comedy. Um, yeah, quick, quickly before we go, uh, this actually looks oh, – gosh. Um, this actually looks uh, clueless. I, I'd say, yeah, let's have some fun. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm still reeling from Apocalypse now, not going to lie. Um, but uh, – <laughs> Um, so cool. yeah, the, this has been on there for a while. We haven't done a lot of female-led stuff. I feel kind of bad for that. Um, so this will slightly remedy that until we pick. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to issue a challenge to you and Zach. Next good recommendation has to be directed by a woman by default. I'm fine with that. Just so we, just so we can keep that consistency in I, absence. I technically did it this time, but I'll with a league of their own, really. Yes, Penny Marshall. Yeah. Oh, 
Well, then never mind. <laughs> oh, no, I'll do. I'll do it next time too. There's a, there are uh, some. I mean, yeah, apps. let's do. Okay, yeah, let's like, do that next time. That is, let's let's that still do it. Let's still the, do it. That was the legit reason. I had these other ideas in my head, and I was like, Shawshank. Shawshank is such a man movie, you know, Frank Darapont and the guys in prison. Let's do it. And then I heard A League of Their Own, and I was like, fuck it, A League of Their Own, man. Like, why not? A League of Their Own on there, delete Clueless, and boom, there it is. So, yeah, we are, off. we are replacing, we are watching a female-directed film. Yes. A bi- that is a remake uh, that is yeah a remake of a female written novel and replaced it with a female directed uh female oriented sports movie so like we did well this week today was today was a good day <laughs> this week was a good week um watch rollerball i think we did the right thing <laughs> um so there you go everybody a quick little bit before we go it looks like a uh quick emmys update that we'll, we'll discuss uh next episode next episode is that zendaya won outstanding actress in a drama series for her role in euphoria zendaya is gonna be like she's she's gonna be a, a like i i i she made a movie in quarantine she's in the she's gonna be the next tom cruise book it right now people it's a Disney, not even Tom Cruise. I want to say Beyonce. I don't know if she's on her level as like an actress. She just starts she, doing Mission Impossible movies because I don't know her. That was crazy. That would be crazy. But like she breaks a, ankles on every other shoot. She's a serious actress in Euphoria. She's in the MCU, uh, having fun. She was a Disney actress. She does her own music. She just made a movie in quarantine that people genuinely liked. Like she's she's gonna be a star. Like a massive. And then Dune's coming out, and then she uh, spoke out about how her role was minimal. Which it, the role that her her character is actually minimal in the movie. So I don't. But that's the thing. Like it's supposed to be two movies. If it's minimal yes. in the first one, then that leads to the theory of the second one being when he's with the, her her people. Right. So yeah. Um, but she's great in Euphoria. It's really good. It reminds me of the, movies like Kids and. Stuff like that. So there you go, everybody. Uh, we are doing Clueless next time. God, if I go back, I swear to God, Alex, if mm-hmm. I go back through all our episodes and I discover that not one of them was directed by a woman, I will be pissed. Don't be. Don't be. Really, honestly, don't. I, I I talk about it with people like this. Like the problem is, don't get defensive. Don't get mad at yourself. Understand why it happened. That's all. Just understand why it happened. You do that. You okay? We to... do. You want to count the Matrix movies? Um, in that vein. Yes, only because I think they knew back then. It's obvious in their art. They made a lesbian noir film before it. And yeah, there are the, the there are trans themes in the Matrix for sure. Uh, they weren't saying it back then, but it wouldn't take long before they had made the decision and then went public with it. But I I think you could it, it's it's a bit of a cheat. I think it's a bit of a cheat that when the Matrix came out, they were the Wachowski brothers. That that film got propelled because at the time they were brothers. Maybe at the time when people knew them personally and worked with them, it was obvious how they. 
they dressed and how they presented themselves. I don't remember interviews from back then, but um, I, I honestly would not be surprised either if we went back and we there was nothing directed by a woman. But again, dude, don't it's up. true. Oh my god! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> don't. Um, just the whole point of this podcast, at least from my perspective, I know it's it wasn't for years from the get go, has always been to show you more stuff, open your mind to new stuff. And the same thing for me. So like I haven't presented a lot of female oriented stuff. Clueless was the first thing we brought to the table, Zach and I, and we were like, what is something that Chris might love that's popular that he doesn't know about yet? That is uh that is a female oriented story and had a female star um and was I don't remember if it was written by Amy, but I believe it was. It was. Uh, it was. IMDb okay. says so. Amy Heckerling, a great director, great writer. And so it's a it's a female-driven movie, 110%. That also happens to be a beloved comedy. So, like, it, it's just a really good gateway to go in. And then we thought it would be a good one to step up with. And we're, we put on, what was it, I think, either Lady Bird or... Um, what we we have another one on there that was made by Greta Gerwig, I think, uh, but I'm not sure. Wow. Uh, on one of the other wheels, um, and wanted heart and souls, yeah. Ravenous, no. Booksmart, Booksmart, that's right, Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. So we did. That was another one that we deliberately put on there. Illegal Own, I put on the backlog, and I think something else went above it. Um, we don't have any Catherine. Bigelow, which is interesting. She has a couple of uh, movies that I think you would enjoy, including Hurt Locker, to watch again. Um, but this is the reason we need to do more research. This is us. Do, well, well, if we get well, Harry Potter, we can do Fantastic Beasts, which was written by a woman. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, if that was your British accent, it was terrible. No, it was my um, it was my it was my um, cartoonishly oh. sarcastic one. Dig it. Now that was now that but now that I know that that fits. Um, uh, um, first of all, I think she is a terrible screenwriter. Her, those two films are terribly written as scripts. They're awful. And then second of all, uh, I don't want to celebrate her right, right. now. <laughs> she's Street probably JK. like the most awful woman on the planet. She's certainly whether she's the most awful, I doubt. But like, I would say that she's maybe in the maybe in the first world. I don't know. She is she is the most uh, prideful and the most arrogant um, because she just continues to double down in the worst way on beliefs that like so many people, so many people are telling her are wrong. But she's not the only one. The guy who played Hagrid came out and supported her. So like, they're old beliefs. But like, to come out and write a book about a transvestite serial killer to specifically promote your beliefs that like put people in harm that's disgusting that's crazy <laughs> yeah. and also she's not good at writing movies and they suck like i stopped reading her books around the third and that's fine they eventually the movies came out and i liked them so like the stories weren't bad and she everyone becomes better as they write more so she continued to write other books and was successful in other ways and like great as someone who oh yeah dude uh that's awesome but like she can't write screenplays those movies suck dude she um no no not she not jk rally but uh just another romantic wrestling comedy was directed by a woman i forgot about that interesting not on any of the wheels yet though no it's on the bad backlog yeah 
Um, that might be my next one. <laughs> no, actually, no, no, you know, yeah, it might be my next one. So there, this is what I would say um, in terms of that. There are female directors that I would love to present to you that I just haven't gotten to yet. Um, in fact, I think Ravenous may be directed by a woman. I can't remember. Um, I think so. Uh, but uh, there's a woman I really like, Sophia Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola's daughter. Directed by Antonia Bird. There you go. Yeah. Ravenous was directed by a woman. Yeah. Sean McDonough's in this movie? Oh, God. You already know it's going to be bad. Uh, Ravenous. He does not get the best roles, man. I'm sorry. Um, you're talking about the guy with the blonde hair and blue eyes, right? Yes. Okay, so he's actually really good in this, but um, he's not... Rare, like... rare, rare for him. Rare. Uh, let me put it this way. Ra- uh, Ravenous has a very good cast, but it, uh, n- not by the end of the movie, not everyone's around. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. uh, a lot of people get eaten. Let's say that. Uh, it's a cannibal movie, so... Um, so, he's actually uh, he's actually really good. It's the one movie that I saw him, and when I see him out of things, I'm like, oh, that's the guy from Ravenous for me because I think he's great in it. So, um, I guess we so, um, should put it at, put it uh, end it right there. Yes, Clueless and A League of Their Own, a great start to, to changing our viewpoints. Yeah. For I've seen both of these movies, but at the same time, uh, they give me an excuse to like watch their other work, which I haven't seen all of Penny Marshall's stuff. And she went downhill a little bit um, at a certain point before she passed away. And uh, I there's a lot of Amy Heckling that I haven't seen recently. I got to watch some vampire stuff recently. Or, or I assume because of the podcast, and uh, that gives me an excuse to watch vamps. But uh, another, they just did the wow. Fast Times at Ridgemont High table read. And that gives me a perfect excuse to watch that. Um, I get to watch Shia LaBeouf be Spicoli with Sean Penn watching him. And then I get to watch Sean Penn be Spicoli again, which is a good reason to do that. So I'm fine with that. Makes me happy. Dang it. Almost got it. Um, so, yeah, let's put so a bow on that because we are at three minutes and 17. <laughs> we are at three hours and 17 minutes. Um, you know what? This movie deserved it. And your Star yes. Wars rant and your father especially deserved it. That was <laughs> It's not like our it's not like our episode has been boring, but I will say this: right. uh, that movie deserved it. It deserved it, us ripping it apart. So next time, everybody, we are doing Clueless, and then we're going back through the rigmarole of spinning the curious wheel, the bad wheel, and the good wheel, and then then we'll maybe dive into we'll dive into the next series. Yeah. So and then of course the challenge to all of us is by the next good wheel we must come up with a movie uh directed by a woman that's for the goodwill um so yeah that'll be that'll be that'll be something that's gonna be a challenge for me because i don't think there's much i've seen outside of wonder woman or um cook for panda 2 that's directed by a woman so i may have to expand my horizons something we've been doing for the buttercast is just really simple is you know just go to google and write uh, popular movies directed by women and will be shocked by what you see immediately come up. Because we do the I retros see. where we go back in time 
and I'll be like movies from 1950 something. And I'm always shocked about what came out that year. I'm like, Oh my God, we could talk about so much. Um, so I think it'd be interesting. I've never done that before for female directors. I'm pretty sure there's stuff out there that I had no idea about. So there, so yeah, clueless everyone. That's our next one. And, uh, we will see you guys then Alex say goodbye. As if. Honestly, I can't think of a really closing, a really funny closing hashtag. Like, there wasn't an alternative cut. Like, this was the cut. So I'm just going to say, hashtag, um, more women movies, please. I guess. Sentimental this time. Not funny. Sentimental. I, I, I say hashtag, uh, we're, we're, we're changing. We're trying to change. We are trying to change. We are not sexist. We are not misogynistic. This is turning into well, a... It's not even just that. It's just watching <laughs> movies with different perspectives. Just watching different movies. That's all. It's not... We could, not, we could, re, not, we could re-review... We could re-review Bryce of Skywalker because since that movie was made by a pussy. Damn. <laughs> good burn, right? That was a good one. All right. I'm, Goodbye, everyone. I'm, like, I'm shocked. Damn.